Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. My name's Aaron, and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy James. Bonjour. And this week's no exception as we roll into another episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, this week looking at the film Face Off. Ooh, a film that many people thought was about hockey, when in reality it was a much more simple storyline of a counter-terrorist agent swapping his face with a terrorist. We've all been there. We've all been there, mate. It's, it's, it's basically the bread and butter of every movie. <laughs> yeah, fucking while he was sleeping. <laughs> Just swapped his face. Uh, thank you for downloading. If it's your first week, welcome. Last week we did The Rock, uh, which has led us on to this Nicolas Cage, um, I, I don't know, looking at certainly two of the holy trinity of Nick Cage 90s action movies, them being Face Off and The Rock. The one we haven't done yet is Con Air, but that will come very shortly uh, in this new year. We did uh, The Rock last week. This week, Face Off. I'm going to take the helm. Talk through the movie from John 1997. John masterpiece, question mark. The over the top. It's, it's a great time. Do you know what I love about this? It was John Travolta's renaissance. You know, it was, there was a time when John Travolta's career was at the height. It died. Quentin Tarantino was like, I want to do something with you. He did something with him. The age got to him. Scientology. Was sick of flying his plane. He, he came out of the public eye. Bang. Broken arrow. Broken arrow. And he's back. He's, <laughs> he's back. He was a villain. He was Travolta. Yeah, worked <laughs> with John weird. Woo with Broken Arrow, which, which was met with, I think, some critic response was positive mainly yeah. around like you say about John Travolta Do going against yeah going yeah. against cast and John Woo certainly knowing how to frame an, frame an action movie which gave this movie face off time to f- get, get through pre-production hell and start um, work on what would become one of the 90s big big action films big action movies here, with Nicolas Cage probably at his highest this is probably it's probably when Nicolas Cage, and people laugh now, mm. this was when Nicolas Cage was the most bankable Hollywood star. You put Nicolas Cage in it, you're raking in some moolah. Yeah. And this is Nick Cage that I like as well. When he was, he was, he, you know, he was a member of Gold's Gym where Schwarzenegger was training. And you could tell Cage in this in The Rock is pretty beefed up. Even when he played Stanley Goodspeed, the science nerds, like yeah. chemical specialist. There's a rooftop scene where he's got his shirt off and revealing oh, that hairy chest. Then he looks in shape. And, and in this one, he's just seen this one. He profited the fist when, when John Travolta and the surgeon's like, remove some of that fat. Yeah, some of that like, It's just like, because you're a fat prick. Yeah. Whereas Nick Cage, you know, there's a prison scene in this where he's a bit nuddy and he's in good shape. I like my Nick Cage with a six pack. I like it. I like it when he's glorified. Uh, when. When he's ignoring his receding hairline, he just flat out ignoring it. <laughs> yeah, but he do, does he, weirdly, and if you're in the UK, you might get this reference. Weirdly, Matt Hancock, the disgraced MP, looks a little bit like Nick Cage from Face Off. I can see that. Like he watched Face Off, and not not the Nicolas Cage scenes, the scene where they brought the dummy in of Nicolas Cage that looks a bit dead. That looks kind of like what Matt Hancock, Matt Hancock's gone for, doesn't it? Weirdly, I know exactly what you mean. It does. I paused it at that scene because I needed to go make a brew. When I come back, I genuinely thought Matt Hancock... Of course, if you listen to this outside of the UK, you won't know who that is. But he's, a, he's, a he's the old health minister in the UK who's... Um, sorry for getting caught. Let's just say that. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, Face Off, a movie that I loved growing up. A movie that... Uh, we talked about The Rock saying that I remember being in the Odeon Cinema in Lincoln seeing the poster of those green pearls and it said The Rock and, mm. you know, being intrigued by it and then the trailer coming out, which kind of gave too much of the storyline away. But face off, I remember this poster of uh, Nick Cage and John oh, Travolta. Face and, yeah. and then word got round, when you're kids, you know, there's a film where, no, they swap faces. Uh, so this film I saw 
VHS, saw it a lot earlier than I should have done. I had the poster in my room for ages. Yeah. I think it was maybe up there with Rocky's longest serving film poster on my wall. That and uh, the X-Files, that I Want to Believe poster. Oh, yeah. yeah those, are, those are three staples of my If bedroom. you have a I Want to Believe poster from the X-Files, you have to display it on your wall regardless of how yeah. old you are. Well, my problem is it's somewhere in, because I've moved, I don't know where it is. Mm. And at some point I want it up. Oh, I'll just get it. another one, to be fair. Yeah. It, it, it's, um, I, I love Face Off. Again, yeah, sorry, too young. I remember the 18 version. Now, if you watch on Disney+, Plus, it is 16. Uh, or over here in the UK, it'll be a 15. But when it was released, it was a hard 18. It was 18. a hard 18. Yeah. And I remember... I remember all the the gory bits that you were like waiting for when they when Nicolas Cage is clapping and the guy's like, "What do you want?" It's like, take one goddamn guess, and you see it in his reflecting his in mm. sunglasses, mate, badass. The, you know, this is back in the nineties when you needed three of the big four to get the eighteen certificate. You needed violence and blood, drugs, swearing, and sex, and certainly um, Face Off has three of them and implies the fourth a lot mm, throughout the whole film with a lot of innuendos and references. Do you know what the, that's, that's the biggest problem that Esther had with this film was the um, that the, the, the almost is it fair to say misogynistic view that especially the villain has towards women and just groping. It's a borders it's on sex result. It's yeah. a very gropy film. And actually here in the UK, given the um the the stories that are coming out now and the microscope that the British police are under oh from certain acting policemen. Yeah. There is a there is almost like a contemporary field now to face off where the villain in the guise of the hero sleeps with the wife. And it, and it, I remember I did actually watch it this week thinking that's that's eerily on the nose, mm. but of course, this this horrific story in the news at the minute isn't new, it, <laughs> yeah. you know. So it's not contemporary, you know. It, it's more likely was happening in the nineties as well. But yeah, there are there are one of the points I'm going to make about face itself as we go through it is I do it does it is reckless in its villain and its villains mm. in that there is no morality, compassion, empathy. Or whatever, and I said this last week very briefly in the Rock episode, where whereas the Rock had a great villain who was noble and yeah. stuck to his guns and had a um, stuck you know, to his VX Rocky, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and lost a bluff and then gets uh, mutinied by his, uh, you know, by his uh, Marine and Navy um, bandit. This the Castor Troy character, who at the beginning of the movie is played by Nick Cage and then becomes for the majority of the movie John Travolta. John Travolta plays him in a way that is so Batman villain-esque. Yeah. It's so over it, the top. It, it's a film that... Nick, Nicolas Cage is the best version of both characters. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> so. yeah. And and so what that does is it takes you completely out of any 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 scrap of reality that this film tried to cling on to after the concept and after the napkin kind of storyline of, oh yeah, two guys swap faces, they're sworn enemies, one's a villain, one's a good veteran cop, they swap faces and they get stuck in each other's bodies. Like, right, okay, so... But it's not a fantasy movie. It's supposed to, you know... Yeah, back in the back of the day, like Freaky Friday, when when people would, like, touch a... I don't know, was it? Was it Freaky Friday? In fairly certain, was a, was a cookie, fortune cookie, <laughs> that they're both eating this off. This is, like, no science. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> well, it was... It, in, in its original script, it was a futuristic movie. It was a film no, that was I set, don't like that at all. I much prefer yeah, it. <laughs> it was only John Woo gets his hands on it and waters it down as a... As a, um, as a <laughs> As an, act, as an action uh, director who was like, I don't want to film a futuristic sci-fi movie. You know, yeah. originally it's well known that they tried to cast Schwarzenegger and Stallone. The film actually was written in 1991. It was presented um, to the to the main studios who were like, no, we're doing this film called Demolition Man. It's eerily similar. 
Uh, we've already got Stallone attached, so we're going to go with it. Scripts in Hollywood, they're often held on a retainer, so no other studio can um, can take them on and, of course, cause competition. And then when the film came available for script again in 1996, um, I believe it was Paramount bought the movie and then brought it down from being a futuristic... They've obviously watched Demolition Man by this point and realised we don't want to make it futuristic. Set it in... in You're fucking in wrong, by the way. You, you, you and... What's his face? That film is a classic. It's Demolition a great film. Man. Yeah, yeah, it is. But it, is, is it up there with The Rock? I think it's up there. I think it's top tier oh, action God, film. No. I don't think it's better not. than The Rock, but it's top tier. Demolition Man is fun. It's top tier. I'll get a pizza and watch it. It's I, top tier. I, I, it's not top tier. It's top tier. It's not top tier. It's top tier. It's not. This is one of these things, mate. Put it up there with Forrest Gump. It is top tier. You're, you're wrong on that one. And you think I'm wrong. And that's what debate is about, mate. I don't think Forrest Gump's top tier. I enjoyed it. Again, probably won't get a pizza with it. I, again, I revisited, I revisited the weirdest story again. That um, the, the Forrest Gump sequel that never happened yeah. is the most depressing film you've ever heard. It was 40 minutes long oh, and included, included, this, included yeah. his Forrest son, Forrest Jr., getting AIDS at the beginning of that movie to... Uh, laugh. I know, to, to, to Forrest kind of going on another journey of, you know, fluking his way through all these careers. Yeah. It included a car bombing that killed someone who he sat on a bench with in the first movie. And then 9-11 happened and they just, they, they shit canned it. And I'm like, it shouldn't have took 9-11 to shit can that movie. She took everything. Everything should have stopped the idea of the world's bleakest film ever. <laughs> oh, that's it. Half the movie was going to be him in the back of OJ Simpson's boot. What because he was, he was in the car and a lot of the film was going to be him popping up. From the back seat oh, of the O.J. Simpson Christ. chase. You're like, who wrote this fucking script? The first one who plays ping pong games. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's it. Dan commits suicide. It had loads oh, of really hell. dark stories. And I was like, that doesn't sound jolly at all. But Tom Hanks was all over this. Tom Hanks like, I need to show, show range. Because at this point, I'm a fucking doll. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, back to face off. Yeah, if we somehow has got a more serious storyline. Yeah, we're going to go into it as we do with these episodes, play by play. The whole episode is dedicated to it. Actually, no, there are two things I want to talk about before. Talk them. Um, because recently we've been talking about a lot of movies uh, at the beginning of 2023. We've had some great response from people online saying, oh, I listened to your podcast and I checked out that episode. Or we've had some great comments as well about people saying, oh, I'm really glad you enjoyed that film because it was, you know, I loved it. Mm. You know? Which is lovely. You know, we talked about movies like uh, Banshees of Inner Sheeran. We've talked about... Um, Everything, everywhere all at once. Yeah, Barbarian, like The Menu. Dave Donaldson has said that he loved it as well. Yeah. Um, so two things that we haven't talked about that I, I probably do want us to talk about in some detail. One is the Star Wars um, episodic Andor. Andor. Which I tried, and I was just at the wrong time to watch it. Tried a second time, and I was shit faced, drunk, and, and I, I got off through the episode. Thought I can't, I don't know what's going. I can't even see the telly at this point. So, so I thought I'm going to because you're in the bathroom. At I the time. <laughs> so I thought I'm going to come back to it. Anyway, the, so I last week I thought I'm going to watch an episode in the evening on my own, just going to sit on the sofa. Yeah. If, if it's one in the morning or whatever, I'm going to watch an episode of this. And I got and a lot of people online are saying, "Look, get past the first one or two episodes. It finds its feet, and it becomes a really interesting." narrative of a part of the Star Wars universe that you didn't realise you needed to know about. It completely makes sense that if a rebellion is going to go against the Empire, like the Nazis, but on a universal scale, yeah. where they have spies on planets, <clears throat> how do you fund an em how do you fund a rebellion that in New Hope, by the time they got the Death Star uh, plans, 
they can they've got a load of X wings conveniently in the hangar. Yeah, they've got their own army. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like, it looks like oh well, we've got the plans. What now? Oh yeah, just jump in what any one of these twenty you know spare vehicles we've got. Oh, that's really cool. One, yeah, that's I love that idea. So this is what it is. How do you raise funds for a rebellion? And those that even, you know, there's a line in it that's like just saying the word rebellion is the spark, the catalyst, the, the beginning of this. It's got some great performances in it. And it is shot really, it's shot over 12 episodes, but it's almost like the first three, the second three and, and so forth are almost like three parters to each chapter. Yeah. So the first three is him kind of getting off world off this particular well, planet where, where it happens. I think I've seen the first three and wasn't that impressed. You can only describe the second three as a heist. Ooh. And then the second three is a uh, getting out of a jail. So they have like a theme to the three and then it all kind of, but it's got some great performances in it. And it shows you a side of the empire that's really interesting at a time when there's no Sith, there's no Jedi. And, by episode seven, they start to say like, "Did you see Palpatine's new message?" That's all they say. And in one of a one of the off-screen characters will say like, "Yeah, it's worrying," or we'll just and, and then they move on. They walk down the corridor and they're talking about other things. And it's like, oh, it's great. It exists in a world where there's all that stuff that we know, showing you a story that's absolutely integral to the fabric of Star Wars. And I thought it was really, really good. So this is the aspect of Star Wars. I think if you've got an IP <clears throat> and you don't explore other things mm. you, you fail and I'll always say that the the the, the sequel trilogy if I didn't care I thought they did a terrible job whereas Rogue One is a story that you can pick up when you watch the original trilogy mm. it's perfectly cast it's perfectly played and it's not reliant on the same old characters it's a different story So and or so far to me sounds brilliant Yeah, like, like I'm not saying it was a negative I liked Obi-Wan but the fact that I'd seen these characters, it's like, oh, try something new. So why would I not like Andor? Because the one thing I've always leveled at Disney since they got the IP is that they recycle the same crap all the time. It's nice to see them not. Yeah. And that's different. So I'll give it to them. Well done. I, I do think it's very worth your time. I watched it and there's a bit where one of the characters who is in the original trilogy, but obviously has been recast for this, uh, Moff, uh, oh, Mon Moffra, I think her name is. I can't remember hmm. the character's name. Sorry, I probably butchered that. Um, you know, she has to create a charity to yes. secure funds that may then form a... That's and, cool. And they're talking in hushed terms and, you know, in, in secret kind of, um, you know, uh, conversations at dinner parties and you know what they're getting at. And she's trying to suss out, is this person, you know, on my side and has the same but viewpoint? But she can't come but, out and say it because and, if and not... And that person she... can't as well because they're like, hold on, are you the Empire testing me? It's very, very good. And it's got a great performance by Starsguard in it. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to call him the 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 main star guard, the the puppy star, the puppy, <laughs> the puppy. Yeah, he's so, not the queen because he's not that evil. Yeah, he's, he's the puppy. Um, is it Stellan Starsguard? Yeah, no, I can't remember. I always go with if not Thor Starsguard. Yeah, <laughs> um, I thought that was re yeah really really cool in it, and um, yeah, I, I I just enjoyed it. I thought I thought what a great Andy Circus comes into it halfway through, and I was really? like, yeah, and, and oh, I was thinking, cool. hold on, are they going to somehow make him into um, what's his name, Gollum. Snoke? <laughs> No, <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely give it a watch. Definitely give it a watch. Oh, well, sounds great. Your second one. The other one that I watched is a film that is on Amazon and is definitely worth a conversation at some point if you get a chance to watch it. And it is a movie called Men. Have you ever heard of it? I think vaguely when you told me the title of it earlier, I was like, I'm sure I've heard of it, but so, I can't say that I have seen it. So it's a film that came out and I saw a review of it and a, and a trailer of it. And, it, and then I was like, oh, I've got to watch the film. And I completely forgot about it. I was on Amazon the other day flicking through the channels and then I saw it. And so just a brief synopsis, Men is a 2022 psychological drama 
It's like a psychological horror, I'd say, more than a drama. It's a film that is unsettling. And it but but it's it's not like overly gory or violent or anything like that. It's just it creates a tone that is unpleasant. Unpleasant, I think is the is the word. That's one of the most eerie feelings is when you watch it for being yeah. unpleasant. Yeah. And I think it's the best horror. Because yeah. to me, horror is is Well, in the mouth of madness, the the problem with that film isn't that it's particularly scary, it's because the storylines there's no coherent mm. storyline. Are, are you as a person going, where's the structure? And that makes you feel uneasy. Yeah. So it's, men sounds like that's a bit... It's really, it's the it's my favourite kind of horror, I think, where it's like, it, like I say, it doesn't rely on blood, guts, gore and scare jumps. It, it just creates a tone. And much of the film is in daylight, which is even harder. I think it's a really, really good film that's directed by Alex Garland, who did Annihilation, you know, the Natalie Portman yeah. movie. And you can't win them all. Ex Machina. Well, then I'm sold. There I love Dex Machina for my favourite films. So it centres on uh, a, a woman uh, played by Jessie Buckley who goes on a two-week solo getaway to a really luxurious-looking like country cottage, midsummer style. Mm. Uh, you, you know, she rents a place. You know, there's a little church. There's a, there's a pub. It's great for walking. Um, she's getting away. She needs some time to herself to overcome a recent trauma. There's no spoilers uh, in that she was going through a breakup, a divorce of a husband who then um, committed suicide or may have fell to his yeah, death, so may not have been so suicide. 50-50. Yeah, it, it, the, the plot asks you to explore, well, what do you think happened? And so this is where the film gets really clever, is the other character in it is Rory Kinnear. Oh, I fucking love Rory Kinnear. Rory Kinnear, yeah, who you may remember from the first episode of Black Mirror. Where he yeah, he's a big. Yeah. yeah, and my favourite uh, Rory Kinnear trivia is his dad was Veronica Salt's dad in... Uh, in um, and you can see it. Willy Wonka, yeah. yeah. How much for the goose, Wonka? <laughs> That's this is my favourite line. <laughs> Come on, Wonka. How much for the goose? Um, so <laughs> On the face-off episode, mate, I did, genuinely didn't think you were going to drop that one. Um, Rory Kinnear plays every other character in it. That's weird. It's brilliant, right? So, so Jesse Buckley arrives to this uh, after the after you see a, a bit of the trauma. She then and so Rory Kinnear is there. He plays with this guy called Jeffrey, who's like the landlord of the house. He gives shows around the house. He's he's very like country English. You know, he looks like he's about to go shoot pheasant or fox or whatever. And then um, later that evening, uh, she goes to a, a church, and the priest is Rory Kinnear in a different outfit, a different character. There's a small schoolboy with Rory Kinnear's face. That sounds terrifying. I'm there, scared. She goes to a pub, and every character in the pub is Rory Kinnear. The, the barman, the policeman that's can, in there. Can you stop talking about it, please? <laughs> all, you're freaking me out. And and the, so, does she recognise it that they're all the no, same? No. Oh, right. So this is the best thing about it. The film starts. I, I'm not going to go into it too much because I do want to dissect it with you because I, th- I think it's a really interesting piece. It is, it's about toxic masculinity. So mm. she's come from an abusive relationship with a, with, a, with a husband that she wanted out of. The theme of it is Jesse Buckley going head on and repeating cycles of attracting or gravitating towards people that may or may not be abusive in different forms. Yeah. You have a priest who abuses his power. You have a young schoolboy who's immature and selfish. You have, um, you know, a a a, a, pa- a patron of a pub who is violent for no reason. You know, just uh, and the film starts with a very. It's a very metaphorical film. It starts with her going on a walk and discovering a really long tunnel um, from an old railway, and she's halfway through it. 
Um, you know, at first she doesn't dare step foot into it because it looks, you know, in this in this idyllic forest, there's this dark tunnel and she doesn't want to step through it, but she's drawn in from echoes. She hears a voice and stuff and she talks herself into it literally by hearing her own echo. And halfway through, um, she starts to get scared and it's the idea that she's not ready to move on. And yeah. then at that point, a figure emerges at the other end of the tunnel and starts running at her. And so she obviously gets scared and leaves. At that point, you start to question if any of these characters are actually real because they're all Rory Kinnear, they're every single one of them. And actually, is this things that she's thinking of yeah. and that are preventing her from moving on with her life or are these actual true events? And it gets more and more surreal. And by the end of it, if you've seen Annihilation, you know, which, and it gets very deep towards the end of that movie and open to interpretation... This is very much the same. By the end of the, the third act of this movie is insane. One of the Rory Kinnear characters as well is naked. He just He's just walking around. You see little Rory Kinnear and full <laughs> Kinnear in this film. I like my Kinnear naked. <laughs> but he, and he's got like growth coming out of him like he's a tree and he symbolises birth and it's it's got all these deep layers to it and it makes a fascinating watch. Yeah. Jesse Buckley is phenomenal in it. Rory Kinnear is awesome and must have had so much fun being all these different characters. <laughs> Big Rory Kinnear. Big Rory Kinnear. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I, did, I, I did, I did feel a bit, I felt a bit worried that the film men should be described by a man on this podcast and then go on and say how much I like Rory Kinnear's performance in it. It just felt a bit <laughs> odd and not the point, but it is, it was a really weird, um, I'm not going to say it was like a vault worthy movie and a film that we would say it's one of the greatest of all times. But I will say I've not seen a film like it in a long time. I think that's high praise, mate. It, it, it sounds like it, it took a risk. You're trying to do something different and it feels like it might have paid off. I think if you're into horror and psychological movies, this is, I, I do think this is a different film that you've seen. I've seen a lot of films and I've not seen a film that's quite as unsettling as this. <laughs> yeah, sorry. And, and, not, and I can't put my finger on why. So, for example, sorry, another thing is, the, you know, her husband... Her husband falls and she sees him fall. Mm. And the she when she sees it, she sees through the window and he's looking at her through the window as, the, as she as he falls past. When she goes down to the body, he's turning the other way. So you could say, well, did he turn in midair? Or is it actually that they didn't lock eyes? Her recognition, yeah. um, sorry, memory of the event is that they had that moment where they were looking at each other. It's very weird. It's very open to... I don't know if that's real. I don't know if that that Rory Kinnear is a real person <laughs> or if it's fake or whatever. And then by the end, it's very, very open to interpretation and very artistic. And, and I think if you don't like movies that... Don't give you definitive... Yeah, then yeah. You, you may be upset with this. And for God's sake, don't, don't, don't make this your Friday night with a pizza movie because if you don't like it, it's such a wild... That's it. It's a wild card movie. I, I love... Mate, you fucking watched Andor, which is about the funding and the financial mm. difficulties of a of a pro-militant group that's trying to take back control from a overreaching and Nazi-like government. And then you've watched this film Men, as Rory Kinnear playing multiple roles about the dissection of toxic uh, masculinity. masculinity yeah. That's, you know, a horror that's based on no stage play. This week I watched Freaky Friday and fucking The Parent Trap for no reason. Just because you watched Face Off and you was like, I need to see the origin. <laughs> That's why I watched this week. The parent <laughs> Although that's not true. Something fucking terrifying happened to me this week. My best mate sent me a text and it was just uh, some fucking headless heads from fucking Hellraiser. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's weird. I played it. Sorry. 
Outside I had of... fun out. You sent me this late at night as well. I know. I was going to bed. <laughs> and then, oh, and then, oh, I, and then I, I, you was and, all right, James. And then I got fucking skinless Frank in my inbox. <laughs> Yeah, so I played a gig. So I played guitar. I'm in a band, and I, I was in Leicester playing a gig. And when I was there, the guy who owns the bar was like, "Yeah, yeah, you can put him in the cellar." That's that's straight away alarm bells. I'm yeah. like, I've seen this movie. <laughs> anyway, so I go down it was in the cellar. Can it? <laughs> I go down in the cellar in the basement. It stinks of piss, by the way. And um, yeah, you I, I, that, yeah. I can't describe it other than it was it was a horror basement. Like it's. I, I said afterwards, it's one thing to have like your own. Because these were homemade as yes, well. Yes, they were. Yeah, because some of them were actually quite good, but the pinhead, mate, looked a bit off. But it, you, if you, I can understand why someone would have a pinhead paper mache in their basement. But I think it takes a fucking fucking deep throat, which I can kind of understand. But when you've got Julia coming out of the bed from Hellraiser it's, 2, that's fucking yeah. niche. Or skinless Frank with the shirt on. So it's kind of, as we talked about the Hellraiser episode, <laughs> towards the end, mid, mid-evolution of skinless Frank. <laughs> Like you, how much do you love that movie to make all the different like, and then just as I was leaving glued on the wall was a baby was a baby from I can't remember which one it's one of them it's math stitched together yeah which that is really weird. odd because I fell asleep and I woke up to that bit. yeah so, the gig uh, went well though yeah, it, is it was good. fine but I, I'm not sure if I'm going to be rushing back to Leicester <laughs> in that basement anytime soon yeah um, yeah, let's get on with Face Off there, because if you downloaded this episode for Face Off, you've already heard us rambling, and I'm just going to go back to the Gerald Butler episode, <laughs> where uh, that'll forever be that'll forever be the turning point. We did a Gerald Butler episode, where it was the top three Gerald Butler episodes, and someone like... from the Gerald Butler fan club emailed us because it took us 11 minutes to talk about Gerald Butler. <laughs> they were only in it for the Butler, mate. We're 25 and, we, and it's fucking hard to find three <laughs> We're 25 minutes in, and no one's face has come off yet, so we need to get on with this. Frank's. Frank's did, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Written by Mark Webb and uh, Michael Collery, the film was pitched to Warner Brothers, as I've already said, all the way back in 1990. It was too similar to Demolition Man, which already has Stallone attached. But the script was re-released six years later when it came up for, for auction and Paramount jumped all over it. The selling point was having two popular actors with known personalities. This is the key. You had yes. to get two actors that have a persona, a trait, and then get them to swap. The fun is watching then play each other. Yes, it's fun. And it is fun watching John Travolta try to match the fucking intensity levels of Nicholas Cage. It. That's it. They wanted Stallone and Schwarzenegger. What a word. What a word. What a word. Because neither of them can act. <laughs> like it. You know what I mean? Like, none of them's going to set a bar, is it? It would have been fucking hilarious to watch Arnold Schwarzenegger try and do a fucking Stallone accent. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been quite funny. And, a borderline and, racist the other way. <laughs> and that's not, that's not, yeah, that's not, yeah. That's not, um, yeah, I love their movies, but it, it it just wouldn't have worked other than muscles. You know what yeah. I mean? You needed and, this. And also, I like the idea that towards the end, uh, towards the beginning, it's like, Stallone has to swap faces with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So like, oh no, put him on stilts. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the film as well is, uh, you know, Nicolas Cage, we've talked about last week with The Rock. We've even done a Nicolas Cage Nicolas episode. episode. We're excited about the movie Renfield. We loved Mandy. That was one of our top movies. I really liked um, the, the the latest one that came out where he plays Nicolas Cage. That was a great yeah. film. I don't know if you've seen that yet. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, uh, the, the talent of being... Uh, the unbearable yeah. talent. Yeah. And then, of course, we uh, we did uh, Coen Brothers where we talked about Raising Arizona. Nicolas Cage is frequent on this yes. podcast. and a fan. I'm a huge fan. And this week, John Travolta. Can you remember the John Travolta episode we did? No. No, because we didn't do it. <laughs> this is uh, one of his three films that you're allowed to like. <laughs> when you talk about the Holy Trinity of like um, Nick Cage doing <laughs> Conair, this and The Rock, three and, and great look, movies. They are three great movies. And, f- and he's won an Oscar and it wasn't for that film. He's done a lot of great films. Yeah. When you go to John Travolta, name three bearable films. Yeah. Uh, look who's talking. Look who's look talking, who's talking to. Talking to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's not even in the, th- no, the third one's the dogs. He's in that. Look who's yeah. talking now. Sold. Done. <laughs> 
you could you could say you could say I Pulp suppose fiction. he's not Pulp Fiction, this, Broken Arrow, when Saturday, Michael. When Saturday comes <laughs> What's that one? Saturday Night Fever. Saturday Night there Fever, of course, yeah. Um yeah, I mean big, big, big actor, I suppose, you know. And, and he does was a movies. name, which is weird, because he was a name yeah. without that backing up. But you know what? He, I, and like I said, he's in a renaissance of this period. He is not A-listed, but mm. maybe batshit crazy enough to pull off the yeah. Nick Cage. His, um, his, what's it called? The Magnus Opus? Magnus, Magnus Opus, yes. It was yet to come with, um, from Paris with Love. Yeah. That's where he peaked. That movie, that is John Schwartz's best movie. Um, director by John Wills, we talked about, initially declined the movie as he felt it was set in a futuristic world with advanced technologies and would strip away any humanity of character. The team then uh, took away a lot of the futuristic elements. In the meantime, Travolta and Wu went on to film Broken Arrow, but then came back to reunite for this movie. Rob Cohen was attached, but then left to make Dragonheart. I don't know how I feel about that. At the same time, that might have been a good decision. Well, I mean, you got um, you got Sean Connery, who after The Rock was needing a little bit of a job, getting the voice of Dragon. I don't mind Dragonheart. I, my only problem is it's caught... Dennis Quaid in it. <laughs> yeah, it's got Dennis Quaid in it, yeah. <laughs> the film is face slash off. John Woo wanted to make sure that people knew that this was an action movie and not a sports film. The original ending, this is uh, interesting as well, uh, just a bit of trivia before we go into the breakdown. The original ending of the film was supposed to be Eve not sure if she's got a husband back. It was meant to uh, be open to interpretation. It wouldn't have worked. And it was supposed to be more of a question at the end where Eve was unsure if, who the person was in her, in her, well, her home. But then all she has was, to do is ask him, how did we meet? And if, and if she tells a story about, I don't know, just tell you about this bread thing. Well, they, they screen tested it and apparently that was that unanswered question the, the audiences hated. So then they went back and they reshot the scene where he adopts the enemy's son and standing ovation, so they kept that one. Which is still weird. We'll get to it. <laughs> Face Off at 997, as we talked about, is a 15 on Disney Plus at the moment. It's just come off Amazon, in case that's where you were looking at. <laughs> like literally like three days ago. <laughs> it's a thriller action adventure. It's fucking with brilliant. The, with the tagline, in order to trap him, he must become him. Which doesn't make any sense because he hasn't. He has trapped him. That's how he gets his face. <laughs> and also... I hate it when they don't make sense. Also, like Mission Impossible did the whole... It would be easy to just write in that there's a technology that gives you a fake prosthetic face without actually having to swap faces, literally swapping yeah, faces. Yeah, but this is based on reality, mate. Yeah, but so was <laughs> FX2, the Deadly Art of Illusion. They removed They removed this. Still don't know anyone who's seen that movie. No. FX2, the Deadly Art of Illusion. No. <laughs> it's a great film. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I haven't seen um, it. Film starts then. Let's have a look. It starts off with how, how are we going to show Passage of Time? Give, give John Travolta a son, give Nicholas Cage a moustache. Mate. <laughs> I like to point out, he pulls off a moustache. Does he? Yes. It's a Touchstone Pictures, Paramount Pictures production. How do you, what's the best, right, you think of this, think of all the epics, mate. Think of all the great films. How many of them start off with the death of a six-year-old? I know. <laughs> it fucking, if you, if you sat in the wrong movie, you were fucking aware of it, it quick. It has a score as well, that if, it has a score that you could pick up and put in National Treasure. It does it yeah. I was it does. This, I was saying this to Wester. I was like, I was like, over the rainbows in this film. Which I know it's like I went, yeah, it does. Like, Where does it play? They went in the middle of an action scene where a kid nearly gets shot. And also, and she, went, she went, like kids don't get shot. I was like, what's the opening in thirty seconds? Yeah. I'll tell you now that somewhere I was gonna save it for that bit, but now you brought it up. Sorry. No, no, it's good. It's good timing. Somewhere it's the Olivia Newton John version as well. 
Oh, Greece. There you go. There you go. So uh, have that at your <laughs> trivia night, eh? Take that one to the bank. What do you know what? If we open the beginning, which I've spoiled now, is Nicholas Cage with a moustache yeah. drinking a milkshake? Yeah. Well, we can only assume it's a milkshake, Joe. <laughs> we, really we don't know what sniper's it. drink. Also, he's gone to a lot of effort to cover up that sniper rifle yes. with a sheet which, which in I a crowded like, park. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he shoots John Travolta in it and the bullet goes through John Travolta and mm. unfortunately hits his son who dies and is, he dies instantly and he's cradling him, he's very upset. Nicholas Cage, being an honourable terrorist, decides not to do a second shot. Yeah. <laughs> he just watches him and goes, down. So the, this, I only brought one bullet with me. The, the, <laughs> so, this scene is weird, isn't it? Because like I say, they're like, how do we need to show that this is a, is a flashback? You've already said, Nick Cage has got a moustache. And a milkshake. And a milkshake. And Maybe. he hasn't... He hasn't quite found his burgundy suits and golden guns. He's no, wearing all black. No. Travolta is on a merry-go-round with his son. <laughs> Nick Cage goes- takes a sip of a drink and doesn't see Nick Cage, uh, um, Travolta pick up his son and, and sit with him. Yeah, I, I will say there are three scenes in this movie that yeah. do not deserve the emotion that it portrays, <laughs> given that this film is about two people swapping faces. <laughs> and I don't know if it's because I'm a new dad. Yeah, like, And I say new, like two years that watching that scene at the beginning is maybe the best actor I've seen Travolta do. Yeah. He does look... Like his son's that... Destroyed. Yeah. yeah. And he's not... He's oh, not breaking down crying. It's the utter shock. I, I actually I see like it's as well. It's a horrible beginning. It's horrible. I also like the the dick bosses become in the, in the slight flash forward as the credits mm. display now and you see where they are like 10 years later. So now you see him and he's basically, he doesn't care. He's like, yeah, you use, I'll take a, he's just desperate now mm. because this is all about revenge. And I like that. It works. My, my first line of the notes was a merry-go-round, a happy scene of a father and son laughing, enjoying a nice summer, John Travolta in a, in a pre-Scientology glow with a full head of hair. Cut to a distant grassy norm and a moustache-wielding, dark-suited Nick Cage pulls the hidden cover off a rifle, takes a sip from a soda in an absolute cliche of the beginning of the film. But it is... A Punisher origin story. Yeah. Like I've seen that Punisher movie where that is the same. That is, that's the, that's the Ray Stevenson uh, Punisher start, isn't it? He's, yeah. uh, he's enjoying the picnic and his son gets shot. Yeah. Uh, when he's supposed to get the bullet. Yeah. But, um, so the, the only point I've, I've got here is if Gaston Troy brought two bullets at <laughs> the end of the film. Yeah. <laughs> but I like that. I went for the headshot. <laughs> he goes, he goes, he goes, you know what? I fucked up here. I'll see you later. It's only fair. But he doesn't look upset as well. You think of a movie like in Bruges? Yes. You look like Colin Farrell's character's like, there's a there's a scene in that where he goes to commit suicide. Up until that point, you're supposed to think that he's he's got no remorse for killing a kid. Yes. And then you actually see him broken down. He's like, I killed a boy, an innocent boy. Yes. And he goes to, yeah. And, and you this, realize... you know what, Nick Cage just stands up and went, shit. <laughs> Right. Oh, well, I'm out of milkshake. <laughs> I'm gonna go shave. Gonna go shave my mustache now. Oh, I look good in burgundy. <laughs> we cut six years later. It's a busy city. Sean Archer. Sean Archer. That's the name that we're going to say throughout this. Is John Travolta at this point an, an, an anti-terrorism FBI agent with nothing to lose? His, an, you don't want to work for him. He's an arse. Yeah. He's like you're doing your job, and it's still not good enough it, for him. It, it's it's he's top of his game. He's good at his job but he's also obsessed with getting the man that killed his son. So obsessed. So six years has gone and he is bitter, broken. We see him putting his pistol in his holster. Cops ready to move out. They're waiting for intelligence to come in. He's calling the local LAPD incompetent because, you know, they haven't found any leads. If there is such a thing. 
we briefly see an image of Nick Cage on a 90s computer screen. It says, wanted for theft, murder, bombing. He's a terrorist for hire. We cut to a swanky LA convention centre and Nick Cage is dressed as a priest four minutes into this movie. He's had a moustache and now he's a priest. Smoking a cigarette yep. as he arms the bomb. Yep. That's how you know he's bad. Yeah. And, and <laughs> also, we talked about... We talked about uh, The Rock, and then we made reference to Escape from Alcatraz, where yeah. Nick Cage and, and it's uh, uh, sorry, and and uh, we talked about um, Shawshank. In that, when you're digging in, a t- digging in a tunnel out of your cell, you take the dirt out in your trouser leg and you kick it out into the baseball field of the of the yard. Mm. How did Nick Cage get all that explosive in that building without anyone noticing? Did he smuggle it in piece by piece, Joe? He smuggled it in through the guard. Because I thought <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like a little bit of. Da- we watching the film this week. It's a shit ton of explosions that he's film. got hidden. There's a bit that I don't get here. Why does the code never work the first time? Yeah, that, yeah he does that, that twice, doesn't it? <laughs> Sean Archer, Travolta, is getting agitated. He knows something's about to go down. He can feel it in his penis. Yes, he can feel it in the force. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing here. He's just like, he's going to be somewhere doing something because Nicholas Cage is always doing it. He's like, could be sat in his pants <laughs> watching TV, yeah. but he's not. He might be on the other <laughs> side of the world. But, you know, he's short of his team. He wants intelligence and he wanted it yesterday. At this point, still really like John Travolta. Yeah. I think five minutes into oh, this think, movie. Yeah, it's really good, yeah. And I think John Travolta is owning the screen. John, John Travolta, he's very good. He's, I like this. He, he's, he gives a good acting performance as a broken man, still broken, somehow going to work every day because the only thing that's like driving him on is he must get Nicholas yeah. Cage. Turns out Nick Cage hasn't planted a suitcase bomb, but a truckload of explosives. How, yeah. we don't know. But to maintain his guise, because if you've just smuggled a load of bombs into the LA Convention Center dressed imagine, as a priest... I imagine you'd probably act quite priestly. You, you, you don't you, want to draw attention you'd to yourself. you probably just walk. There's mm. a choir playing, so you might probably just walk past and maybe give them a nod. I personally wouldn't start dancing like a lunatic yeah. and molest one of the young women. Headbanging <laughs> and groping his way into the scene. It It is a weird Nick Cage scene. There are some scenes in... There are some bits in this film that play to Nick Cage's advantage... Certainly going to talk about the horror aspects when he's got no face. Mm. And I'm also going to talk about a scene later on where where he's in, I'll just say now, where he's with the rest of the criminals and he's taking some drugs. Yes. There's a moment where Nick Cage plays to his absolute strengths of lunacy, but also a weird 1920s, 30s horror that Nick Cage does really, really well, infused by some German opera. But the scenes that don't work with Nick Cage are when he's dressed as a priest, groping someone, screaming at the camera. Yeah, it was like, uh, I always thought Harmon was a bit shit, but making you sing it, and was just being a bit gropey. He might weird. as well have a sign saying criminal by this point. Yeah. Um, but, but what I love about this is, so he's, he's got a brother, Castor. They're, they're named after the... The Pollux, uh, the constellation. Oh yeah, sorry, the Pollux. And um, he's quite famous as well as a bit of a criminal. And, and the only reason he fucking finds him is because he pays cash. He did like, like the one, I'm the second most famous criminal. I'll go pay with cash. It was like, and even Castor, when he gets some, he's up with him. He's like, this is why you've got these two dickheads with you. I, 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 Don't pay him. The, the, well, yeah. But also, isn't paying with cash a good way to conceal your identity? It is, yeah. But that's why he was like, well, send the guy with the scarred face, mm. a la Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy, Sons the, of Anarchy, Anarchy the Irish actor. Yeah. Send him. But no, he goes and pays for it himself. And then because he's done that, Castor Troy's like, no, 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 I'm not going to pay you now. And this is the information that Sean Archer needs to finally get him. He's paid for money. He's paid, sorry, he's paid for a private jet. It's time to get down there. I will say that um, the actor who plays Pollux Troy, Alessandro Nivola, yes. is 
probably my least favourite thing in this movie. I like the character of Pollux Troy. I like the polar opposite that he is to Caster Troy. Yes. In that Caster's always, you know, tiny shoelace. That's a quite good scene and there's a callback to that later. I like that he's the nerdy but smart... He's the sane but also psychotic bomb he, maker of the two. He's the one that could have had a normal life if his brother wasn't Caster Troy. Yeah, but yeah, and maybe has been, but it's his delivery. And I know he's a villain, so he's supposed to get on your skin, yeah. but there's a lot of his dialogue. I don't like how I, he waves with his pinky. Yeah, that pisses and me off. You know, he's like, it's like, our friend is uh, what he seems to enjoy his life. And I'm like, oh, do you know what? Spoilers, when he gets kicked off the roof, fucking love that scene. <laughs> What? Sometimes, sometimes I go to bed at night and I fast forward to that bit. But you say that, but Nicholas Cage at the beginning of this film, tiny shoelace, puts the cigarette into his mouth, ties his shoelace, and he goes, "I'm always looking after you." When John Travolta does it later, you're just like, "You can't even, you can't even, you can't even tie shoelace like Nicholas Cage." It's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, Lee comes in. Pollux tries pay for cash for a plane ride. Travolta jumps up because Pollux doesn't fly without Big Brother. Apparently, that's that's good. That we get some runway banter. Nick Cage in a burgundy suit with two golden guns delivering some really odd lines like that he can eat a peach for hours he could eat a peach for hours I don't know if you noticed this is a metaphor for the sex and maybe you know dirty stuff don't know a lot of that no uh, peach I could eat a peach for hours but he, I don't like my Nick Cage being sexy I don't like my Nick Cage groping because he's second scene's already groping and I, I get it Nick Cage signed up to this movie he turned it down originally to, then signed up to it because he would be the hero for the majority of the film and if this film was shot chronologically, I suppose Nick Cage does get the first month of working on this picture to have fun being yes. Caster Troy, setting the gauntlet for what Travolta then has to imitate when they swap roles. But I don't know if it's just because it's easy to hate John Travolta than it is Nick Cage. <laughs> but there, yeah, I struggled with this. Anyway, they we get some runway banter. The plane prepares to take off. In comes the cavalry. Humvees, helicopters, FBI bitches all over the place. I'd like to point out here some of the dumbest fucking policemen in the history of the world because they're all chasing the plane. Mm. And before they got there, no one thought to be in front of the plane. Yeah. <laughs> also, spoilers, going forward ahead, when he finds out that the air hostess is an FBI agent and he kills her and he throws her out Winters, and he yeah. shrugs, which is pretty cool actually that he's able to, because presumably he'd be knocked out, mm. but when he does that, all the cops stop. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, not one of them follows they it, all stop it's weird so we get a runway scene here where we go from John Travolta's Humvee playing chicken with the plane he's the only one in front and then somehow he sees in the cockpit from, from halfway down the runway yeah. one of the other agents with a gun to her head and he's like oh he's got winners and he last minute diverts you know he's suicidal also, also he's a as well. his best mate's next to him and he's yeah. like he won't move and he's don't like, play chicken with a chicken plane but also, so he's, he's trying to, you know, Travolta's got nothing to lose. He, he's reckless. He will yeah. put other people in harm's way to stop. But, but not one of them. Yeah, but not but not specifically <laughs> that one in the cockpit. But also, this is the end to any other action movie. And you've got to admit, actually, I do John like Wu, that. I do like that. This is how any other action movie ends, is on the runway, stopping the villain from taking off. Die or two, you know. I do like this, because it's a big piece to open it, and, you, and, you, and I'm agree it's with expensive. you. It's usually the end. Yeah. The plane obviously then derails, goes into a hangar, Nick Cage, the man with two golden guns, comes out shooting, killing numerous agents, and even shooting the ear off one. Do you know what? Can I just say something here? It is a criticism, and, I, and this point comes up. And I can't I, believe you didn't say, can I just say something here? <laughs> Sorry. Get out. And I wonder if you agree with me. Die Hard is an action film that we can follow the geography of a fight. Yeah. The Rock's actually a very good one, because I'm not 
I don't know what's happening. So last week we were talking about The Rock. We know that there's a morgue scene and that there's lots of shooting and they're shooting in minecart. But I'm always aware of where the good guys are in relation to the villains. This this fight scene and particularly this fight scene, I don't know where they are in relation to the mm. good guys and the bad guys because Caster Troy seems to see his brother get arrested right in front of him, like as far as you are, like a metre away. Yeah. But then you see John Travolta in that same place and he can't see... Castor mm. Troy. I think he's I think he's actually shot quite poorly this fighting. I have no idea where anyone is in relation to anywhere else. And there's two really bad things in this as well, is that they also do a they do a cutaway scene, which implies it gives the impression that they've been in there for hours. Yeah. There's a lot of gunfight at the beginning, and they get Pollux, they arrest Pollux. Nick Cage runs deeper into the hangar, and then it it fades out. And fades back in with Nick Cage, when Nick Cage sweating, like, sweating and stood up and hiding yeah. and, and and almost luring Cat and Mouse, John Travolta into the hangar, gives the impression that they've been in there for ages yes. and it's probably only been thirty seconds. Then what happens is you get scenes where like one of the FBI agents lines up a clear shot to shoot <laughs> Castor <laughs> Troy. John Travolta, John Travolta like, stops no. him. Yes. As if to, and I know, as and I, you know, someone's probably said, over, it's, it's because, <laughs> yeah, there's that. Oh, but he wants also, to kill. John Travolta needs to do it. He needs the closure of getting, he needs to be the one that gets him. Okay, that's fine. But also that half it implies that Castor Troy always knew he was there and was going to get a drop on yeah. him, despite the fact that that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and then you also get some really ridiculous scenes at the beginning here as well of John Travolta, uh, of Nicolas Cage, one minute being on the ground, then being at the top of a like a crate and he's yes. got a vantage point. Then he then, then draw, shoots a chain and he holds on to it and he goes off. That's and, not Sean Archer. Sean Archer, that's the only time that he really does that. Castor Troy seems to be able to teleport randomly and, and Archer's supposed to be like the normal one. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. But I, I like this fight scene, this gunfight scene to me, I was like, I don't know who I'm supposed I don't know where we are. Because that scene that you just mentioned where the guy's got the drop on him, Nicholas Cage is facing the other way, but then in the next scene has rotated and yeah. done a and a did he have the drop on them? Because he got eyes in the that, back of his head. It always implies that John Travolta knew that Nick Cage was about to spin round. Yeah, exactly. And the quickest thing would be to stop the man from shooting him. <laughs> um, you then get this like weird Batman Joker trade-off. But I do like this bit. So, yeah. so whilst whilst the action I think was pretty poor, I do like the you've only got one bullet left. And he's like, and he's so like do we've you. got something in common. We both know our guns, or we can both count to 15. Turns out one of them can't. Yeah. And also, <laughs> later on, the laws of ammo go out the window in the in the next time when they shoot each other. But yeah, they square off, and you get this nice little bit of fun dialogue at this point where it's that whole you can't live without me. Yes, you know, I like, do like that. It's like, yeah. what would you do? You drive your family nuts. But so these are the lines, I know all of these. And when this film came on, I was, Esther was nearby and I was quoting him word for word. Yeah. It still stuck with me all these years later. Talk- Try terrorism for high. It's more fun blow some shit up. Shut the fuck up. You watch your fucking mouth. Yeah, you watch your fucking mouth. And Nicolas Cage is brilliant here. Like this is top. He's having the most fun because yeah. he's like, Oh, I'm going to play your character soon. <laughs> so am I, I need to mm. fucking get every ounce of cast Detroit out of me. And and then then you get this really weird Sean Archer scene as well, where he, and and it does imply Sean Archer is good with his fists and his feet. Yeah, but it's John Travolta that's playing him. So. I know. He, he, uh, a Saturday Night Fever kicks him into, into, into a jet a engine. engine, mate. That, that propulses but, but, him. But he's on, but not quite on. <laughs> Because then he turns it on. Yeah. And and then this isn't the first time in this movie where you could go, that's a stuntman. <laughs> it's the first time, but it's not the last time where you're going to clearly tell that it's not Nick Cage, obviously. It is a pretty cool scene. You know, Caster Troy's reaching for the knife behind his back. 
As you sing in. Yeah. Ready. Ready for the big robbery. I do like the speech before that because he pretends that he breaks down. He goes, oh, I'm sorry, Shawnee. I know I've been a bad boy. You better pull the trigger, though. Yeah. Because I don't give a fuck. Yeah. It's good. It's fucking great. It is. Nicolas Cage at this point, there's there's no consistency with this character. That's why why I said he is a Batman villain by this point. He's absolutely psychotic. (laughs) Can I rewind slightly? When the... When the police come onto the runway, they shoot him like an 80s villain. And what I mean, the music starts playing. He's got the woman on his lap. But then he throws her off, but to the beat of the music, every time the beat goes, it cuts to him and he's doing something else. To the point, like, where he rips his glasses off and looks out there. He's like, hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking love this film so fucking much. It's it's a thick slice of cheddar, this film. Um, Yeah, so the the whole bit climaxes to the point where uh, Nick Cage is knocked out, presumed dead. Um, you know, they've got the man. They've got the man that for six years they've been chasing. Finally. What would be the climax to any other movie? Slapped right at the beginning. Back home. He's still a cock. Archer's <laughs> daughter, Jamie, has been suspended for starting a fight at school. Because she's wearing a different face, mate. Yeah, she, oh, she's mad at appearance. They don't understand her. She's an emo goth Britney Spears. Um, and she goes off in a huff. And again, it's this idea of grief. People deal with grief in different ways. You know, she's... We're all wearing she's, different masks. Yeah, she's trying to um, change herself to run away from her past. He's got himself, you know, obsessed with Caster Troy. It's only really Eve, Joan Allen's character, who seems to be grounded, trying to move on, trying to be logical, the doctor of the family. Um, Tells her. I've got him. Yeah, Eve, the character, she's working overtime, but not for Archer can share the news. He got the son of a bitch. It's over. Back to being a dad. Back to being at home. Go to therapy. To carry, yeah, to, to deal everything. with it. That's, yeah. and again, so at this point in this movie, I know there's been a lot of cheesy 90s action, at the bit, but John Ford's still holding this character yeah. as Archer. I think John Ford at this point are still, it's coming, James. It's coming. coming. But at this point, I do, I do still like it. Um, Go to the office. This this the film works also better. Spoilers when the swap faces because you can do scene to scene between the two. Yes. At this point, the film does kind of feel like a series of events that we need to get through because every time we cut it's to Archer doing something new. He goes back to the office at this point. And we've everyone just claps. With him. Yeah, we've just been with him at the family. Yeah. Now we're in with the office. I didn't realise there is a badass line where he goes the director sent this or the, the White House sent this he goes I didn't know they catered I fucking love that that's actually quite a badass line yeah. in this film but then he starts listing off the dead so we know that whilst he's got what he wanted he got Castor Troy is not the answer to his problems he's still a miserable prick Yeah, and they come in clapping and applauding and he hates it because he still feels like he fell why probably because his son's still dead yeah so. but, but he does get somewhat closure because he does close the case yes. of his son's I, death I, I love that screen. because when you do that it comes up with giant letters that say yeah. case closed yeah completed <laughs> 100% um, Pollux Troy left behind a floppy disc it's the 90s it's the 90s mate um so nice, detailing a bomb powerful hey. enough to flatten a square mile and gas. Can and I kill just say that others. villains, their presentation of their bombs, mate, is near perfection. Like that was you and me. We're both project managers, probably just do an Excel spreadsheet, yeah. mate. <laughs> Them, I'm Sinclair and I'm gonna blow you away. <laughs> and then the schematics for a bomb. <laughs> that's fucking that's so extra. Yeah. That is that's nineties villain, tech villain. And then there's a great line here where he reminisces about the line that he that he spoke to Castor. Castor told him that basically there was a bomb in LA and if he let him walk, he'd tell him where it was. And he's like, he recites it, goes, the biblical plague that LA deserves. Montage of him beating shit out of people. Do like LA as well. That's a good uh, good spin on it. What the hell's that smell? Wipe your ass. Shit's pants. 
Pollock, yeah, that, that's coming. Pollux is in the detention centre refusing to speak until he sees his brother. So he's like, I won't say anything. Show me my brother. But Archer thinks Caster's dead. Why not send Jack Bauer in there to fuck the Geneva code him, yeah. and just get the get the location of this bomb? What I love about this, mate, what I absolutely adore about this is the FBI, it's almost as if they should be counter-terrorism. The head of the FBI doesn't even believe that there's a bomb. He's yeah. like, no, they probably just made the bomb for shits and gills. Yeah. See you later. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's terrorist for hire in LA. He's probably just here he's visiting. He, he probably, I saw him as a priest. Maybe he was... Yeah. A- he wasn't, it wasn't, he's not working, was he? <laughs> yeah, I mean... And for anyone who, you know, thinking about it, you're like, oh, well, you know, they couldn't go in there and pull his fingernails off. They're about to send him to a high, to a, to a prison that has no rules because of where it is. Yeah. Um, at, tw- uh, at 23 minutes and 50 seconds, we hear the line, there is one other possibility. Ooh, at 23 more. minutes, we're about to find the real crux of what this film is about. Enter Secret Science Lab, Castor Troy, on a life machine. Can I just say, so they wouldn't torture the brother, but C.H. Powder, one of my favourite actresses of all time, has got no problem stubbing a cigarette out on a man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, he's a turnip. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> so use him as an ashtray. Bitch. There's a question here. What if you could enter a maximum security prison and give Pollux a brotherly hug as Castor Troy? And at this point, we're all thinking, the fuck. <laughs> At this point, you're going. What's this got to do with hockey? I, I love this, but they, they show him this year. They show him the tour. They're like, "Look, we're making a 3D here." My next question was, "Yeah, but that's not fucking taking someone's face off, is it? Show me you've done that. Show me a panda what? that you've swapped with an orangutan." What, what I love about this is as well is CH Pounder and the Doctor don't have any fucking like. Or this, they explain it like so matter of factly, and then are weirded out by like George Ford going, No, <laughs> they're like, Well, why not? You're frigid. <laughs> why, why don't you wear this man's face, you dick? Yeah, <laughs> he goes through the operation. It's like, I like that doctor as well because he's, he's probably got a hard on for the science, hasn't he? He's like, so, 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 I'm yeah, gonna put this yeah. template, I'm gonna put your face on it, I'll make you less fat. Yeah, using fucking lasers, <laughs> I'm gonna take your face, swap it with his, I'll put his in some pickle juice, it'll be fine, <laughs> but yours, I'm gonna look after. I'm going to put this structure underneath it. I'm, I'm, gonna, even, you know. I'm even going to fucking Apple Apple iPlayer your fucking vocal cords, yeah. mate. Mate, you sound like Doing Denise the whole Rice. <laughs> John Travolta's bloody Sean Archer's like, nah, mate, nah, I've got, I've got other Moffats. Maybe I should try, I don't know, police work. <laughs> <laughs> I do like this bit though, with the completely fat Shane Travolta. Yeah. I get rid of some love handles. Oh, you, you know, <laughs> they do it later with his chin, really. Yeah, yeah. He gets this ridiculous chin. So, yeah, so Travolta put that line in himself. Good. He, 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 the, it was said that Travolta was having fun with this and he put a lot of self-references, self, uh, I suppose, degrading references in for himself. But um, Archer thinks he can get uh, answers out of the gang. Or a good mechanism this bit because we have to be introduced to gang members that we're going to meet again later on when the plot thickens. Um, I do like this bit as well where one of the characters, as you've already alluded to, throws him at his office. He goes, shit his pants. <laughs> Wipe your ass. <laughs> Wipe your ass. Right so, if I, if, right, so if you're an unhinged cop, mate, I'd have probably want to ask you how your dead son is. <laughs> I, think, I think that might have been a mistake. Crossing a line there, isn't it? <laughs> it's such a dick move. We... Uh, we meet Gina Gershaw, aka Sasha, Caster's ex. I do. I did fancy. I did. This is where I think I might have fancied Gina Gershon from this film. And then we meet uh, Nick Cassavetes, aka uh, Dietrich. Never seen him in anything other than this. Um, famous story about this is that he got the role, and then the day before he started filming, shaved his head. I think it works. And uh, they they just went, yeah, all right, that's fine. 
you look like some kind of weird Richard O'Brien kind of character. And then um, also the scene where he kisses his sister later on. That's weird. Yeah, because yeah. we, we always talk about like people method acting. You could cross a line where the director's like, the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> like that, that is one of the moments, isn't it? Where yeah. he's, like, he's, he's like, do you know what? I'm going to fucking... I'm gonna, I, I, the I'm, guy knows he's dying, so he's like, well, it's my only shot. Would you yeah. get a shot? <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, <laughs> so I'm going for it. Um yeah, it, yeah, like I say, it crossed between Richard O'Brien and someone from Right Said Fred. He spills That's who exactly. I genuinely thought it was him. <laughs> he spills the beans on the the, the date of the uh, detonation, which is the eighteenth. So now we've got a date. So they've got a date. So that definitely means that something's happened. Do you think the, F- the head of the FBI will allocate more resources? No, 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 <laughs> no. Go swap your face. And also, they've got the technology to swap faces, but they haven't got the technology for things like CCTV footage or face recognition yeah. software or anything like that. But anyway. With no other options, he's revisited by Agent Miller, already, you know, see uh, Agent Powder. Can again, I just say, this is a black op operation, so there's only a handful of people that know it, but not the head of the FBI. <laughs> they don't yeah. tell the head I like this bit as well. He's like, he's like, it's black ops. No one can know. No, Why not? Why not? <laughs> I don't. Why the, not? Let's, let's the head t- of the yeah. FBI. Why? Because someone's going to tell Pollux in the prison, in the maximum security prison. Do you know what I mean? Like, what, what is the reason for not telling or writing on a scrap of paper or put it on a floppy disk? Yeah. Do you from, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Secure profile, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I would want witnesses in case shit goes so around. So it's just you three that know this. Yeah. yeah God. He may as well look at the camera and go, God, I hope nothing happens to them three. I'd be buggered, wouldn't I? <laughs> Cast anyway. Cast, you have chained Castor up, right? <laughs> yeah. No. There's no way he's going to wake up. What would wake him up? Well, I don't know. I suppose if we took his face off, he'd wake up. <laughs> <laughs> I put a cigarette out of him that done the work so but cool. I think if I took his face off there's a chance <laughs> um, I do, yeah yeah. Um, he's in he has to do it back home he has a heart to heart with his wife he needs to do this one last job one she's last assignment she's upset yeah. she's upset but she does kind of understand he needs that closure it's operation time at this point I still think it's one of Travolta's best performances yes agreed there's a bit where he talks about the scar, the bullet wound of his stick, you know. He wants it back. He wants it back. It means something to him. And I think, do you know what? There are times now in films that you see here where they dub someone's voice out and it still doesn't work. Then what happens is post-surgery. Mm. And I like Tito's acting here where he's like, because beforehand everyone has to be for it to get John Travolta in it. But now that he's agreed to it, you now need someone to be the voice of dissent. He's like, I changed my mind. Yeah. <laughs> shouldn't do this. This but is I like stupid. This. When they actually swap their faces in the scene where he's like, like they're touching his muscles and stuff. It's disgusting and grim. Mm. And you can see the face without skin or eyelids in the reflection of the mirror. Yeah. And that's done, really cool. It's done very well. I mean, this this this, this does still hold an, an element of futuristic yeah. feel to it. You've got the lasers. You've got the two prosthetic bodies as well that the, that the team built of. Nick Cage's does look like Nick Cage. John Travolta's doesn't. Looks like Michael Myers, not from one of the good Halloween films. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, we do get that kind of horror. And the score is horror. When the face is lifted off the body, yes. you get that kind of chilling score to it. And then we see, of course, the face in the jar, which again was part of the trailer and part of the, um, part of the campaign. <laughs> the face is in a pickle jar. Yeah. <laughs> just leave it there. It doesn't it? It's like... And under guard or anything. Just yeah. like, just leave it. <laughs> leave it in this fucking swimming pool. <laughs> uh, just put it in the vinegar, in the brine. You know they take excellent care of removing Archer's face, not Caster's. They couldn't give a fuck, mate. No rehab, no aftercare. He wakes up. They also there's just one line where he goes, "Yeah, with this technology, not only can we do it, but healing takes days, not not weeks." Yeah. Okay, so why is that not in every hospital in America fuck or em. the world? Fuck him. Fuck him. Because <laughs> um, yeah. everyone will be swapping faces, mate. <laughs> he wakes up. He sorts his voice out. It's game on. You've got two days. 
um, to get the answer from Pollux, who's in a maximum security prison. You need to find out where the bomb is. There is a bit of the after scene, you know, where he kind of looks in the reflection and it's the horror of becoming your enemy. Fuck you. And it's Fuck a, you. Yeah. Fuck you. I love that. Yeah. And, you know, by this point, there is still, it has more, at this point, and I'm reaching here, yeah. it has more to it than just being a throwaway action yeah, movie. Because you, you, you have to weigh up what it must be like to have to walk the footsteps in, in the person you face. hate. Yeah. So up until this point, it still asks the question of the viewer to say this film's and that got goes, a layer. And that goes throughout. Like, he, like Tito has to hold him and be like, you're oh, Sean no. Archer, you're Sean Archer. Yeah. And there's a prison scene coming up as well where he fucking like, he becomes Caster Troy. Yeah. And the, yeah, so these bits are good. Nick Cage now is in his element. Nick yeah. Cage has gone from playing the psychotic villain to now playing the good guy. And this is what's going to get confusing. But Nick Cage from this point is the good guy, if you haven't seen the film. There's also a really good scene as well where they're taking him up to the helicopter to take him to the prison and it's his all, face is itching. Yeah. And 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 uh, he has to get his face itched, which is good. And all everyone's looking at him with disgust. It's the first time. And they're like, Archer's going to be pissed when he gets back. Yeah. And they all hate him. Yeah. But it gives him the confidence <clears throat> that this this might actually work. Maximum prison, uh, security prison, John Carroll Lynch. Yes. Yeah. Nice as well. And a good arsehole. Yeah. because they need he needs to be an arsehole <laughs> because this is a part that you get confused when your hero is now a terrorist and good cops are shooting at him and coming after him they need to be arseholes otherwise he's a fucking murderer yeah <laughs> so he needs to be an arsehole when he kills him later well that's it that's it there's no Gina, uh, Geneva convention at this place nice little John uh, Tom Jane cameo at this point yeah it is there's the nerdy inmate with the glasses sparks a um a, a, a fight between uh, oh, Boo Yeah, I'm trying to remember. It's Boo Racker or something. Boo Racker or something. Yeah, and um, and uh, beats him nearly half to death with while, a metal tray. While shouting out, "I'm Caster Troy." Yeah, what's interesting is he doesn't at this point get the electric shock therapy that is threatened later on when he takes a cigarette off a off a guard. You would have thought at this point they would have been like, "Right, you fucker, here you go, you're gonna get this." But he has to look like. Caster Troy, yes, act like Caster Troy, even though it's Sean Archer with his face on, especially in front of the Pollux. And you're right, this scene is really interesting, actually. You've got Nick Cage who's like, ah, I'm Caster Troy. And then yeah. he's, he's he's manically crying, but laughing. And He's having a full-on breakdown at this yeah. point. Because he gets beaten. Because he's Sean Archer and a guy beats him. He's calling him pussy. But Caster Troy won't get beaten. So he kind of like revs himself up as I'm Caster Troy. And then he kills him. Because mm. Caster Troy would kill him, but he won't do that. So he's kind of like, so he stops and then... Later on, he has to explain to his brother that he's not all there. His, yeah. his, his brain is scrambled because then his brother trusts him. It's like, well, but, but this is the Jekyll and Hyde thing, isn't it? That you need at this scene. And you're right. It's there is the part where he's got the tray above his head and he could kill him. And he's on the one hand, he's thinking, cast a wood, but I can't because I'm a good guy. Yeah. But also, he's seeing himself become the bad guy. Yeah, exactly. And this is where the film, at the point, you know, still has a bit of depth to it. That the theme of the film would be, is it that you know, uh, who, what makes us us is, is deeper than skin. You try to say the problem with this film is that a second person gets a face. So if they carried on down this route, down this route of, a man, of a man becoming the person he hated the most because he was physically wearing his face, it would be near an artistic action film. But the fact, but the fact that John Travolta now gets to fucking dial up to 11 is where the film this might is, fail. This is, where, this is where I've been leading to, James. Is John Travolta's been doing a great job until he becomes Caster Troy in Sean Archer's body. <laughs> 
because you right. Yeah, I do think it has. No, no, I had this argument with Esther. They don't swap bodies. They stay. Their they bodies stay are their the bodies. same. Yeah, yeah. It's the faces that change, and I don't. I don't think I explained it to Esther. That well. Yeah, it's <laughs> so, got the same nipple still. Probably shouldn't have started with Freaky Friday. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I went wrong. Uh, back at the lab, the real Caster Troy wakes up to find he no longer has a face. <laughs> Fancy that? Do you? You were all been there. I do like this bit as well, where he takes the bandages off again. Very. Very Punisher Jigsaw, very mm. Jack Nicholson, Batman, you know, um, well, as the Joker, obviously, in Batman, you know, and, and because he wouldn't have cheeks. Yes. So his speech is like, he's all squealy and and he can't pronounce his words properly. And yeah, all right, I mean, yeah, yeah. And Nick Cage, like I say, plays this. Nick Cage is renowned for being a horror fan of like the early 1920s, 30s, 40s, likes a lot of European cinema and, and uh, European opera. And this bit plays into his advantage when he's got no face and he is absolutely um, maniac psychotic to, in a uh, robe with the painkillers, smoking a cigarette, and, he's, and his henchmen have brought the scientists to him. Two problems here, mate. I'm going to tell you two problems. I think they probably solved this film straight away. Maybe you strap up the criminal, make him hold him down because we know that coma patients can't come out of their comas at basically any provocation. And you have literally put him on a slab and cut his face off. Second of all, maybe don't give him a fucking telephone. <laughs> The telephone nearby that you can just ring up and go, go get us the doctor. Yeah. How does Nicolas Cage, sorry, how does Castor Troy in this situation now? Um, well, I need a face. Have you got any faces lying around? I love that one. It's pickled. Puts it on, spends the rest of the movie trying to get his own face back. Probably shouldn't have killed the only fucker that knows how to put on a face. <laughs> Slight logic in your plan, mate. Well, no, at this point, he does want to be short Archer, doesn't he? He does, but uh, yeah, that's a good point. He does. Because he, he sees it as a way out of the. As, he could become the hero. And very early on, he says to... Well, we'll get to that in a minute, actually. Uh, but also great camera work at this point. The reflections and the glasses, the kind of... The very short shots of him with no face on. And it doesn't come when you expect, because there's like a plug, like he starts clapping. So you're supposed to think on one of the claps, it will cut, mm. because that's how we've been programmed to jump scares with noise. Yeah. It doesn't do that, so it kind of plays with you. It, you see it when you least expect it because yeah. you're expecting it to happen on a clap, and I always thought it was a great movie making. I do think, and it goes back to my favourite horror, is the horror that uh, isn't about blood, guts and gore. The horror in this scene isn't, you're right, it isn't the the shot of the bloody face or the or the skinless face. The horror is the way it's been shot. Mm. And that, that that is some very, very good uh, filmmaking in this bit. Very similar to Doc Ock waking up on the operating table in Spider-Man 2. It's a great way to film horror without having to show guts or gore. Um, back at the prison, Archer gets out of Pollux Troy the location of the bomb. It's the LA Conference Exhibition Centre. He fucking, he fucking gets him easily as well. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Let's hope you're not downtown. Yeah, you really don't like that, do you? Oh, the LA Convention Centre. What, what I love about this as well. <laughs> when he turns around, he goes, cock. <laughs> but that's why, so Sean Archer's like, you fucking loser. And he's yeah. like, I'll see you later. Yeah. Basically, like, I'm not really your brother. Anyway, fucking shy of surprise. You don't know what's going to happen. Shit's about it with the fan. Just when we think it's it's all over, he gets a visitor. It's only the real Caster Troy wearing Travolta's face. See, this is where we are going to disagree a lot of it because <clears throat> I think you're going to have a lot of problems and a lot of audiences are going to have problems with the way that John Travolta delivers some of the lines that he's got. One of these... And one of the opening lines is, woo-wee, you're good looking. That you're, works. You're hot. That works. And I think that works. Yeah. And it's also like late later, there's lines like, woo-wee, what a predicament. And yeah. I, I think he can pull them off. Now, I can imagine though, as an audience member, you don't think he can at all. Mm. But I do like John Travolta in this scene. 
That that works. That scene works. The bit where he's squaring up to Nick Cage, which happens a few times in the film. Travolta's fine. Mm. It's the Travolta when he's back home with yeah, you, can see that. you know with the wife and and Jamie. It's jo- it's him when he's back. Papa's got a brand new bag. Yeah, yeah, that's me. Yep. Yeah. Um, those lines he doesn't deliver. That he doesn't look. He looks like creepy stepdad. Yes. You know, <laughs> which is just off point. Anyway, um, that seems really well as well because Nick Cage. He's broken. He, he, he's yeah, like, what? He can't, he can't he's mumbling. He's like, <laughs> because he, 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 everything has happened so quickly and he's 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 seeing the future. He's, he, fuck, I'm in the villain's face in a prison. Things can't get any worse for me right now. But that's all right because there's three people that know that he's what face. Yeah. If no. Any, if any were burnt alive. <clears throat> and what I love about that burning alive is the FBI have lost an agent, one of their specialist doctors, <laughs> probably someone high up. They don't investigate that shit at all. No. Like, it was just a fire. Yeah. It's killed everyone who knew about the transplants, all the evidence, the lab, everything. Fake Sean goes back to the family home and meets Eve. He tries, he's different. He's flirty. Mm. Alarm bells will be firing off at this this moment. Well, I mean, mm. I mean Joan Allen pulls I like Joan off Allen. Eve very yes. well. Very well. I I think she's actually in a different film. Yeah. Jo- yeah Joan yeah. Allen is like yeah. in a serious yeah, film. film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um he meets Janie. That's, Sorry, I mean Jamie. That's, Thank you, Pillow. Here we go. This is the one. Like, who has a... Who Do you have a pillow with your own name on it? No. No, me neither. <laughs> no, and then uh, he steals a cigarette, and it's weird. In a way, that's implied flirty, that he's going to... gross, John yeah. Travolta-y, predatory a, way. She's in a pants, and he's like, he comes at her, and he, he kind of moves, and he's like, you've got something I want. She's like, what? Nervous. Picks up the cigarettes instantly. Urgenese left the here, and he's like, there's going to be a lot of changes around here, Jamie. He's like, yeah. Popper's got, and he starts singing, and then he leaves singing, and I'm with you on that, he and I'm just that. like, oh, for fuck's yeah, sake. Yeah, they're the cringy bits. Yeah. Um, at the office, he convinces his brother to confess to the location of the bomb so he can be a hero and defuse it. We're back to scenes being Travolta every time. Yeah. And it kind of then, it's kind of speeding up. We need to start getting the movie onwards, uh, you know, and, and certainly getting, figuring out the conundrum of how you get your hero out of the prison. So, he diffuses the bomb. You know, you get all those scenes where Pollock's having a right laugh, you know, in the prison cell, eating all the good food. Yeah, he's like singing in German opera or something. Yeah. And then we um, see Travolta diffusing the bomb. And the, the way, I, I really love this bit as well because we go back to the LA Convention Centre where we know the bomb is and Travolta was there and he diffuses the bomb brilliantly by chewing the whole scene around it. <laughs> So he's got nothing to expect. <laughs> yeah, I get that, yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's like, I, I do like, yeah, he puts the code and gets it wrong. He's like, oh shit. <laughs> this is the second time. Yeah, all right. Diffuse it with two seconds to go. Travolta is a hero, hamming it up, acting different in front of his staff. There's an insane, mate, there's a joke so insane at this point where one of his colleagues goes, did you have an operation recently? And he has had an operation recently, so you can see him tense, mate. And then she goes, did someone remove the stick from your ass? I would have no. turned around and gone, do you remember my son died? That's like, <laughs> I'm going to fucking beat piss out you now. <laughs> yeah. Got time to molest his. Fucking here you go, mate. Here you know. This is why maybe Caster Troy is a better fucking Sean Archer because he's like, I've got your, I've got the president on line one. But I've got your wife in line too. He goes, tell the president to hold. And then gropes oh, her. Yeah. Just like, he goes from beforehand. Being, he goes from being the best husband ever to, to a sexual predator in the workplace. Yeah, in seconds, mate. Yeah. He goes home and woos Eve. We're still stuck with Travolta hamming it up as um, Sean Archer. And I'll be honest, at this point as well, I'll be honest, 
Let's look at things. All right, it's bad for the real Sean Archer, who's in a prison with someone else's face on. Yes. Not only someone else's face, the person you hate the worst in And the a world. lot of people in the prison name as well. Yeah. But let's look at the positives. He's a better boss. Yeah. He's a better family man. He is. His family's coming Certainly along. more relaxed. He's defused a bomb. Not all that bad on the outside world, to be yeah, honest. He's doing all right in Sean Archer's <laughs> body. <laughs> yeah. It's achieved a lot, is all I'm saying. Not, not saying I agree with him. Um... At this point, though, this is where I think it loses itself. And I think I've been going on about trying to fight the, the, you know, having watching this film with a critic lens or searching for a deeper meaning, like I've already talked about themes of things like your true self being on the inside and not being defined by what you look like. These are, these are what the film asks at the beginning. But from this scene onwards, you lose any of that because Travolta wearing Troy, no, Travolta as Troy wearing Sean's face has no range at this point. He's killed kids, government agents. He's incarcerated his enemy. If you're Skeletor, that's fine. That's fine for you to be uber villain, you know, to have no remorse, no compassion, no empathy. If you're the Joker, as I keep kind of going back to. But a film that's supposed to be grounded in reality, this point, I really struggle to find Cast Detroit as a believable villain. What I don't understand is, and maybe you can help me out. <clears throat> for the record, I love this film. I think it's great. I think I'm pointing up as one of the best action films of all time, A tier. I like the writing it, I like the acting. But I don't understand what's in it for Castor Troy to keep playing house. Yeah. That was like where he keeps going back to Eve there, there, and, and doing the family life from like, you just quit the FBI yeah. and be a criminal. I don't understand why you're in it. Are yeah. you still in it for your face? Are this you is, waiting for like are the, you waiting for Sean Archer in your face to die so you could somehow get your face? Why are you going to work? Why are you going to bed? There's a scene, there's a scene, there's a scene later on where she takes a blood sample off him. Yes. And he's like in and bed. He, yeah, and he's in bed, tucked up, having a nice little kip in a grey yeah, t-shirt. Yeah. And he's like, horrible, like, a dude, but, mate. But, but then during the day, he's like killing kids yeah. and shit. And he's like, how fucking vanilla is my life? <laughs> <laughs> like, what have I become in the short time as being Sean Archer? It's so weird. Like, it's, it's so weird that he's like, I am going to smoke. But that's about it. That's the only real change. But, but you've, you've got this bit as well where he's like, he, you know, he's now even going to sleep with Sean's. So he's not, he's, there's no, there's, there's nothing this guy won't do that's not horrible. He will sleep with someone else's wife. And which, seduces her. Yeah. Makes her feel awesome. He'll kill anyone that challenges him. He's untouchable. There's even a scene where he goes to the kid's grave and doesn't show any remorse. He's bored. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, how unrelated, how oh, unrealistic see, can this villain you be? You see, I do disagree with that one. I feel like, I do feel like it, that gets to him a little bit. Ah, so if you did, then that, that I to do, me doesn't show Travolta's range. I do feel like that gets to him a tiny bit, which explains what he does with Jamie later. Maybe. 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 I do. As a watcher of the film, I'm going to speed I do up think it gets I'm, to I'm him. I'm conscious about the time and, and it's because I went on about Andor at the beginning. But yeah. back to the prison, Nick Cage is wearing Troy, um, <laughs> but he is Sean and he hatches a plan to escape. And it involves killing as many innocent guards as possible. Weird, isn't it? Like they're just doing their day job. <laughs> just fucking. They're just, they're just paying bills and providing for families. I didn't have sex with your wife or your sister. Kill some people with yeah. me. Yeah. That's it, yeah. Debarve. Um, he sparks a riot, which will get him shock treatment, which is the only time they take off the boots of the prison. We should have said that. The prison, all the, all the inmates Magnet are held boots, down Which is really magnets. good. Maybe you should have that in other prisons. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, Although the, the, your feet I'm willing to believe. I'm willing to believe the technology of the um, of the face. But not this. Not this. Uh, the male prison. Magnets. Magnets don't exist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pull another one. Um, Nick Cage fights his way out. Everyone gets shot and blown up. Everything blows up at this point. Yeah. No matter what you shoot. 
luckily storyline does fucking die here. It's just it's now action. It's time to get the, to action pieces. Yeah, and th- this is this is my point. From that scene with uh, with Sean Archer, Josh Vaughter a minute ago. Now it is just it's just set piece of action with a little bit of story, a little bit of dialogue, but very much what's going to drive the movie now is, mm. is action. You get a scene where later on in a shootout at the gang headquarters yeah. he, he two people he doesn't kill he shoots one in the leg and the other one he knocks out and shoots the wall next to it yeah but this this point he will not hesitate to throw some acid at someone and shoot yeah. it he f- sets off Dubrov um, Dubrov who throws people sets them on fire shoots them with guns he stops them from killing two unarmed people mm. bit of humanity still left in him Tom Jane batters the shit out of some people yes yeah. Cage uh uh, fries the computers, gets the right in full swing, and he escapes to the rooftop only to find the prison is miles out to sea. Like it's on an oil rig. A helicopter I, appears. I'll be honest, I'd like that. Yeah, you I get, do like that's that. That's a good, good twist. You're like, oh yeah. shit. Helicopter appears. We get a really nice diode reference as well at this point. It is scene for scene the helicopter with the two Johnsons flying over. Um, anyway, more shooting explosions. He jumps into the freezing sea. Dead then. <laughs> Completely dead. <laughs> Which way's land? Yeah, it's done that. Do you know what I mean? He's so, like, like on the bright I'll, side. I'll, I'll just swim this way. On the bright side, cast on his face. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. No, he's fine. You know, um, certainly the film's going to tell us how he uh, got back to land. Oh, no, no way. No. They're going to Batman it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, here, he's, he's just, just back in the city. He's, he's bone dry. He steals a car. Goes to his wife's work. Uh, so, yeah, goes to his wife's work. I like this bit as well. He goes outside. He can't go in. So he calls up. She's halfway through stitching some young girl's arm. And yes. so it was like, there's someone on the phone for you. She's like, oh yeah, I'll come take that call. I'm not busy. <laughs> you're fucking, sur- you're doing surgery on someone. Anyway, lost it at this point. And then what I love about this is, so she has the phone call. Is this the bit where the, um, where John Travolta comes in and is now a Don? <laughs> no, that's the blood sample scene. This is the scene yes. where Travolta calls her from outside and says, the person who's, you think your husband isn't, then he calls uh, Victor's office, the head of the FBI, ah. and Travolta picks up the phone and he's like, uh, Sean Archer. He goes, well, if you're Sean Archer, I must be Castor Troy. Why the fuck would you do that? Yeah, you just, just warned him. You, why you just warned him? Yeah. Well, you do also get the scene as well with Travolta where he's like, uh, oh, he does go mental he's fucking he's mental. Out. He's like, oh yeah, Castor Troy's escaped. <laughs> and that, Show me your body. And that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Because he's got everything to lose at this point. And also, people would understand why Sean Archer would be like that. Like the real yeah. one. So that makes sense to me. If you can't go home and you can't go to your wife's work, where's the place you go? I'd probably go to the villain's best mates. The criminal headquarters, the uh, loft apartment of uh, his ex-brother-in-law, Dietrich, who remember from the beginning of the movie. And he's got a hell of a lot of guns yeah, and drugs. He's got a lot of drugs. It's a good scene here, playing again to Cage's strengths, where hey, he says he wants to kill Sean. Yes. He talks about like the he fact that he wants to take his ears off, wants to take his nose off. Yeah. It's all... All of it's coming off. And, and do you know what? This bit is weird as well, watching it, because he goes through the bit where he talks about how he knows the access code to the security alarm of his house. Mm. It's his dead son's birthday. Like, you know, so it shows like... And they start laughing and he's sad, but then also starts laughing. That's fucking horrible. Yeah, and, there's, yeah. and they do a really good scene where they kind of show it from above. It's, you know, the moment he says, oh, I want to take his face off, because he's drugged, all the criminal guys are like, that's a bit, that's a bit much, mate. That's yeah, that's... Yeah. Bit of money's like, shot FBI agents on runways, kill kids... Doing all this stuff and like, yeah, it's a bit, a bit, a bit wrong now, mate. You can't yeah, take someone's face. Just, you can kill him. Draw the line there. Face. And then they all start taking it in turns. Like Nick Cage kind of goes, face off. off. And, and then, then they all it, think, yeah, let's all do. have a go at that. <laughs> go, face off. <laughs> They're all doing it. They were like, yeah, one of us is making the trailer. When was the last time you went to a party, mate, and didn't have your face off? <laughs> yeah. um, I do like this bit as well. He goes to, he goes to the bathroom. 
still in Nick Cage, like, you know, rolling off the bed. I'm not me. I'm me. Yeah, and he's (laughs) like... fucking grinning. Grinning. And I'll tell you, the only thing that's going to sober you up is a slap from Gina Gershon. Yes, it is, mate. Because that is a hard slap in that scene as well. Do like it, though, like, his face. Because he's grinning, I assume, because he's never done drugs before. Mm. So he's also the fact that he doesn't know how to deal with it. And they're like, in my head, he's grinning because he's lost control of his face. He's like, and the smile. And it's the insanity, isn't it? Because he can't hold the guard at this point. Um, All of a sudden... We go back to Troy, who's wearing Sean Archer's face. Fucking, this is getting complicated. And uh, he has empathy for one moment as he saves Jamie from a predatory boyfriend. It's the guy from that 70s show who in real life turned go out to be to, a sexual to, Yeah, and yeah, go to jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently in the 70s show, a character asked him, where do you see yourself in five years? And he went, jail, as a joke. And it turns out, yeah, in five years he was in jail. All of a sudden... Um, it's good to see him get the piss kicked out of him. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. like that. And there's a good line... It was a good lines one and it comes up with like this kind of toxic humanity where he says, if you dress up like Halloween, ghouls will try and get your pants. And she even says, oh great, some guy tries to rape me and it's my fault. Yeah. And then that's when he kind of like steps up and is like, are you wearing protection? And she's like, kind of, and he pulls out a fucking knife. When I first saw this, I thought he was going to stab her because mm. sinister music plays. There's an almost horror element because he's not her father. He's got nothing in it. And he's like, and then he tells her, he tells her how to basically <laughs> get him in the end. He's she, like, stick this in his, in take his pants down. Twist it. Twist it so the wound doesn't close. So basically, that won't come up again. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to come back to bite him in the thigh. Hey, back to Troy and Gina. Gina's helping him by help uh, get him dressed. Yep, nice. She's clothes. mad and aroused. She's angry, but also hoping for some. Yeah. It's a really weird scene, isn't it? It's yeah, like love hate again. Very toxic. Bad time to learn uh, that the surgeon. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine if at this point Nick Cage's couch is like, well, you know, when in Rome, <laughs> and it, he looks down. Why is your dick so small? Did attach the dick? <laughs> That's not that, casting. Did your dick. foreskin grow back? <laughs> you've got, wait, you've got both balls. What? <laughs> Just Pollock. smooth like action man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pollock's is spying on the hideout from uh, from the uh, uh, adjacent is, rooftop. This is, might be one of the most poorly delivered lines this film. Yeah, it's it's whole, my eyes don't deceive me. Yeah, I think this guy's going to enjoy. I think the old Sean Archer's really starting to enjoy me. It's it's it's. That fucking Vaude villain. You know, yeah. like, the mustache, like, yeah. <laughs> and, and I tell you what, they assemble the SWAT team fucking quick, don't I they? also don't know why the brother fucking sticks around. There's yeah. a SWAT team coming, so the brother needs to stick around because he's about to die because mm. you need son versus brother death coming yeah. up later. So I don't understand what's in it for Pollux Troy to stick around. Um, Sasha explains that she doesn't want her son growing up in a world of violence and criminals and wants a better life. Yeah. This bit, it's a shame, though, that he turns out to be Caster's son. Yeah, this, <laughs> so, this bit, I, I will say as well, is... Makes sense. It ha- yeah, but I watched it, and it hit me this bit, actually. In a film that has no right to have any emotional weight to it by this point of the film. Mm-hmm. The beginning, yes, tragic. With everything we've been through, this scene comes out of nowhere. And I, and again, I don't mean to keep saying it, but I don't know if it's just as a new, as a new dad. This scene hit hard when he's... When he sees the young boy the, and, and he starts calling him Michael and he sees his it's, son. It's, it's, it's a bad bit. And, and, and he loses it, it again that yeah, she's like... It's 10 seconds yeah. where he drops his guard and he's no longer Caster Troy. He's back to being Sean Archer. And she freaks him out as well. And, it, and it is a punch to the gut. Yeah. It's a very well-acted scene from Nick Cage. It is. Um, and then she pulls him away. She's like, you're scaring him. Like, what's going on? And then he like snaps back. And it's a shame we don't linger there for a second because before you know it, a grenade comes through the window and then all hell breaks loose. And then this is the the famous Somewhere Over the Rainbow scene, which John Woo added. They had to go back and redo it all. John Woo had to, works, he had to pay good. for it himself as well because he'd already gone over budget. 
And he's like, we need a scene. That scene, it can't just be a shootout. It, it needs to be offset with that idea as well of, of, of innocence in the crossfire, literally in and, the crossfire. And also it comes down to, again, it's the innocence, but it's also the same thing. Like, like the thing he never actually finds out he's got a son. Castor Troy never finds out he's actually got a son. But even if he did, I still think he would sacrifice him. Yeah. And um, it's still Sean Archer trying to protect the son from Castor Troy. Yeah. Which is, which is good. And there's the scene where, there's the fucking dumb bit here though. And I hate this. There's, there's one bit I really do like, there's a bit I really hate. Do you remember my problem with the first fight scene? I don't know the geography, so I don't know who's in peril. This happens again. Yeah. This, and even I think the bold henchman says something like, oh, they're like cockroaches. They're coming from everywhere. There's no sense of peril because I don't know where anyone is. And this is where you get the scene where, fame, uh, where f- faces that Archer's familiar with. They're all trying to kill him now because obviously they see him. But he doesn't kill them. He knocks them out. I told him not to fuck with me. But they're also passing the kid around like he's fucking can of Pringles. And I don't know where the peril is. But it does come to an end with the soft footprints of John Travolta. He's Castor Troy. And I do like the scene where they're having a conversation where he's like, I do enjoy boning your wife. But I think we preferred it the other way. It does quite menacing quite well in the scenes with Nicolas Cage. And they turn to shoot each other through the glass and they're both looking at themselves so Nicolas yeah. Cage is looking at Nicolas Cage, which he would be, and John Travolta is looking at John Travolta because they're their enemy. But that's the faces. I, mean, I do like the imagery of that scene. They face off. They face off. And, and it's through the glass. So he's shooting what? himself, but he's also his villain. I like the, does, the layers yeah, does, of that. It does look cool. The, the problem for me, just, just before that, uh, Dietrich gets killed by getting shot in the neck. There's a bit where... <laughs> he makes out with his sister. Yeah, he makes out with his sister, which is odd. <laughs> Travolta walks into scene, sees his ex-wife holding a kid, yeah. chooses to shoot them two. So he sees Dietrich and then he moves the gun across. Yes. And he sees his wife holding a child, pulls the trigger, Dietrich steps in front of the bullet, takes it to the neck. Yeah. Again, I'm like, I don't get this Castor Troy character. That's your ex-wife. That's your ex. Yeah. Okay, so you might not like her. That's another <laughs> kid. So you haven't evolved from going to the, well, also the, the grave thing- of your dead, you know, yeah. your dead kid. It it felt really weird that he would choose to shoot the mum holding a child at that point. That's a good point. I get it. I get it. It's because he's a villain. I get this. That's the whole point. But it just adds to a layer that that character then is no longer... You're, See, unless unless you are a, a, like I say a comic book character your villains have got to be grounded in some form of reality to make them truly do you know scary do you know the, I, I actually start to come around to your point now actually weirdly that you said that because that's a, that's the best example so far like why does he do that this film would have made more sense <clears throat> if Castor Troy wasn't the big evil he was a henchman and Sean Archer hated him because of what he did and he built him up to be something he wasn't and that Castor Troy, whilst he was in Sean Archer's body, liked the life. So he was trying to protect him mm. being that face. Yeah. That would have made like he fell in love with his wife and he wanted to have a family, something he could never do because Sean Archer was hunting him. That's the only way that makes sense. He'd kill him because he's trying to protect yeah. his identity. You are actually 100% right. What the fuck is going on in Castor Troy? It's just like, do what? Fuck it. Yeah, kill everyone. Sure anyone. It's actually a good point. And, it, and, even, and even when he shoots his mate, he kind of, there's, he, it cuts to Toronto smiling and walking away. Yeah. And yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. The, other, the other way it would have worked better, and I know we're playing armchair director here, and you know, but is if the the climax of the film would have been that's your son, and it's at that moment where he realizes he's a dad, he drops his guard and gets shot. Yeah, because he realize you know, and or or he realizes that's that's his son. And and jumps in front of a bullet to save him because he killed a kid, and it kind of closes the loop that way. 
you know, he was responsible for the death of a child. And then as a villain, his final act is to actually save a kid, his kid. That has a, that has a symmetry that ends that character's arc. Yeah. You know, they go from a child killer at the beginning to saving their kid, no. finding out he has a kid. No, you're wrong, it, mate. He's getting kicked in the balls and cutting his own face exactly. off. Exactly. <laughs> harpooning doesn't work. <laughs> and again, I'm not shitting, I, I mean, I'm shitting on the character. I'm not shitting, the film is an action movie. In regards to an action movie, it is top dollar action yeah. movie. You're getting Nick Cage, you're getting John Travolta, you're getting action. I'm not denying that at all. It's just the character of Castor Troy I don't get. No, that's a good point. I never really thought about it like that, yeah. Just going to skip ahead because I'm just conscious yeah. of time. But we then go through somersaults and gunfights and unlimited ammo, shit blowing up. Um, the, the, the best scene of the whole movie, Pollock's forced to his death. Good riddance. <laughs> Sean and Troy uh, go back to the office. Uh, Sean, sorry, wearing Troy. Troy, wearing Sean, goes back to the office, kills Victor. Yes, becomes the head of the FBI now. Yeah, because that's how gets it a works. Pro- gets a promotion. <laughs> if you kill them, mate, that's yeah. how it works. <laughs> well, it's like the Animal Kingdom, isn't it? <laughs> Castor and Kate, uh, sorry, so uh, Castor, which is Cage at this point. Oh, fucking, I don't know where I am. No, it's... Goes home. Yes. Oh, no, it's Castor, who is Cage, but is actually Sean. Goes back to the, uh, goes back to his home. Security's a bit more lax now. All the police have obviously gone. There's one downstairs, you yeah. know. Um, gives him the whole speech, do a blood test. You know, I'm I'm the real guy. I'm, I'm your yes. husband, you know. Tells us some things that only he would know. It is weird then when she takes a blood test when he's asleep and he just kind of wakes up and goes, oh, what was that? <laughs> you would have thought that, again, Castor would be hyper-paranoid. Yes, you know, to there, go, there's one. There's on. only one guy that knows that he's not him, yeah. and he's out there. And your wife's just stuck you with a needle. But again, why are you? Why are you? Why are you doing this? Why aren't you in Vegas blowing this guy's credit? Yeah, <laughs> he finds out the truth by taking the blood sample. Cage and, surprises and her the, a story. <laughs> Cage surprises her at the hospital and reminds her of a time when she broke a tooth on a seed. But it still gave him a kiss, even no matter how much it hurt. It's, and then she believes him. She's yeah. fully invested. She's fully invested. Because there was a scene. She's like. Just be, she's like, I, no, he's not who he says is. Who the fuck are you? He tells her with the story of that they their first date. And yeah. Yeah. So that I like that. I he's think that around. works. And then he's, he's coming around. up with a plan now. It's the funeral. The funeral. So now we have three set pieces. Funeral of Victor, yes. where he needs to lure him into the church for a shootout. Then we have a speedboat race. Then, <laughs> then it ends. And then so if we go through those bits just very quickly, shooting out of the church is 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 my favourite bit is the fact that he hides behind the wooden pews bullets can't go through and bullets can't go through but then when he turns around he looks through one of the bullet holes to yeah, see where yeah. Castor is despite the fact that he should now be dead yeah yeah. This, and the, also, also I don't know when the last time he went to church was fuck loads of doves mate doves inside the church also the somersault that Nick Cage does for no reason <laughs> yep he just, yeah. he's like I need to get to the ground quick I'll just somersault but there's but there's, there's the great bit where 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 some of the lines come out, he's like, I've got your, everyone comes in and I've got a vendetta. It's like, you shouldn't have killed my son. And the revelation is, I wasn't trying to kill you, so I was trying to kill you. And like, like you shouldn't be angry. I was trying to kill you. Yeah. It's like, oh, all's forgiven. I'll see you later, mate. Yeah. Don't what face good point. Yeah, he's like, well, I'm his brother. Because now Castor Troy's brother's been killed. But then when you think it's over, he's like, his wife comes in and then his kid's on the outside. But then my favourite thing is fucking Sasha comes up. It's like, a sister couldn't forgive you. And he's like, fucking hell. Bellman yeah. comes in. My uncle couldn't <laughs> accept him. My great granddad <laughs> off everyone Judah takes a bullet and, and like and she's like look after him and then he just goes yep, yep. <laughs> it's, it's fuck all emotion I there. do like that because it's like oh fuck it I got another kid so yeah. he kind of wants that so he's like 
Yep, don't say anything to muck it up. Yep. Then Jamie, Jamie turns up because she's obviously at the funeral of Victor. <laughs> she's got the knife though. Because she when does she came, have the knife. She take a knife to a funeral. Everyone knows that. <laughs> that's a good scene. That's actually a good scene where where he's strangling him outside and now he's lost his voice. They've both got Travolta voice. So we've got Travolta voice. So we've actually lost Nicolas Cage voice up until the last scene yeah. when it comes back. Because he coughs and it comes back. <laughs> Right, so he's being strangled. He's like, listen to my voice, I'm your father. She sees her father being strangled and then she doesn't know who to shoot. And then Travol goes, this scumbag shot your brother. And that's a fucking damning line. Mm. Shoots, obviously, Nick Gage. But then there's a great line where he's like, no daughter of mine would have shot so wide. And then he grabs it. He's like, duh, drop the gun. Hamming it up, but in a good way. Yeah. Then she sticks the knife. And she sticks the knife. It was like, fuck me. Yeah. But, you know, luckily he can still run to a speedboat. But luckily there's a speedboat. <laughs> yeah, because you know when you get you, when you get buried yeah. next to the speedboat. Yeah, what what dock. makes no sense to me? Why are they doves and not seagulls? <laughs> <laughs> seagulls can't go in churches. They know that. <laughs> then you get this whole speedboat chase that took four weeks to film. I don't know what who watches this film, guys. I love the speedboat chase. And th- there are a lot of scenes in this bit as well where you can quite clearly see that you know Nicholas Cage isn't Asian. But he yeah, is apparently. That is true. <laughs> Particularly the last scene when they blow up. And that's it. It's like, it's neck and neck. You know what I mean? It's like no one, neither one of them has got the upper hand, you yes. know, until they wash up on the beach and one of them gets harpooned. If one of them's no longer Asian. <laughs> and, and and John Schwartz at this point, like, you know, so he's, he's like, you know, uh, you may kill me, but, you know, every day you're going to have to look at my face. And then helps him out. And then perfectly <laughs> cuts round his face. Like, I would have gone straight for the nose. You know well, what I mean? So he, so Archer tries to shoot a harpoon at him, which he grabs. And then, and then he's like, I'll oh, stay mate. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to do. And he's like, every time you look in the mirror, you'll see my face. And then perfectly cuts round his own face. Thus helping the situation. Gets kicked in the nuts. But what I love about that is, he's dead. He dies. He gets harpoon through his gut. He starts choking. He's dead. Nicholas Cage is just there. He's in caster voice. He's 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 Sean Archer and Caster Troy's face, and the police show up. Instantly fucking believing based on the fucking one woman's fucking opinion. They're all like, You're right, Sean. <laughs> no one goes, maybe she's fucking lying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe we should do investigation. No, they definitely swap face. But luckily, you know that one procedure that only one person needed to do? No, there was a second person who knew, who knew so, how to do the procedure. He thinks he knows how. He's all right. He got a B in GCSE science. <laughs> He's really good with Pritstick. <laughs> you know I mean? Get like, your face off. Get your face off. Like, it took some convincing to do it the first time. <laughs> Let alone this fucker who I don't know. But Let's there's, see your CV. But there's growth, mate, because this time it's like, oh, he goes, this scar, don't put it back. I'd have also gone, well, keep me thin. Yeah. <laughs> don't, yeah, make me, yeah. don't make me fat again. Yeah. You know the penis? <laughs> just, just, do you know how it kind of goes to the left? Yeah. Do you know, can you strain it? Can you strain it? Yeah. Uh, but then, <laughs> but then what I like about this is, well, I don't know if you like, you know the scar. Yeah. Don't need it anymore. It's like the penis can make it a bit longer. He goes, now this bit's really going to throw you off. You know my bollocks? All right. Don't ask me why. Clearer. I want them on my ear. I want one from each ear. I, I just, I just, I think they're going to look better there. I still think it'd be funny if they gave him the wrong face and they gave him a third face. <laughs> he shows up at the end, they're like, but then he comes in and what I love about this, do you remember when you were at the hospital and they, they didn't tell your family when you're coming back? Yeah. But what I love about it is, <laughs> so what I love about it is his family's at home having coffee. Jamie now is not a goth anymore because that's how you cure it. She's making coffee and not only does John Trevor walk in, but he walks in with Castor Sons. So, so John Trevor is now Sean Archer. He's the good guy and he's come back with Castor... Cast a son. 
But from the from the from the fucking POV of Caster's son, that fucker just killed your dad. I, I know. Right. And then shows up and claims you. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. How do you? How do you? I think it's like that's, Pokemon. That's how I got promoted. Yeah. <laughs> so what I don't understand is how do they explain that to the kid? Oh no no, we swap faces. Yeah. Yeah. You know that really nice guy that you met that saved you from all that gunfire. Well, that was me, but I was wearing your dad's face. <laughs> now your dad is now dead because I killed him. But, now, but I got on my face back that your dead dad was wearing. So now you're Michael. So, yeah. So, mind, so, so now you're my dead son. Yeah. <laughs> bear in mind that when they did the procedure the first time, the two bodies were alive. This time they took the rotting, face off mate. a dead person. <laughs> like that's not got, that's not fresh, is it? Anyway. Yeah, and then if you're the son, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, come on, I'll show you your room. Oh, yeah, yeah, I really want the dead boy's room. <laughs> that's, that's great. But great. does fix their marriage. Yeah. So in the, so when your marriage is on the rocks, mate, just go swap with Count Ed Everest, please. And, and remember on Joan Allen in the middle of all that's like, that's one more laugh to fucking feed. It would be fucking great, though, if it turned and he was like, no, he wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> no, he fucking wouldn't. Um, I do think I do think the film should have ended with him like going to bed, taking his shirt off, and on his back he just said cast his face. It's like yeah, they had to do a skin graft, and I ran out of skin, so I've just got just on his knee. Yeah, or, he, like, or he kept it. No, like like <laughs> Vol- the- Voldemort, he's just got Nick Cage's face on the back of his head. If he, if he like, uh, if he for, like for future missions, face off two, face off two <laughs> when, when he needs to be cast to Troy elsewhere. So they are going to do face off two. Has been announced. Are the you script, fucking kidding the script, me? The script was finalised in twenty twenty one. It's it's got an assigned director. It Easy. is going to be a sequel. It's going to be a remake initially. There's a lot of fan, a lot of fan fans, clash. a lot of fans wanted The Rock and Kevin Hart to do it. Oh no, a lot horrible. of fans wanted. Uh, John uh, Nicholas um, Cage and John Travolta no Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds to do it it's horrible but now it hasn't got a cast attached to it but it is going to be a sequel so they will reference I believe <sighs> that it has been done previously I fucking needs to happen I again. fucking hope it's cast a Troy son <laughs> I mean the timelines work <laughs> the timelines so work yeah that film as a grown up when you watch back at that the weird moment is how do you also explain to your fucking daughter oh that guy that fucking was licking your face and everything was the guy that killed... Oh, my God. The fucking therapy yeah. that the fucking family must go through towards the end of that film. <laughs> it also, it's just weird. Like, you just... You just be sat there one day eating, like, an egg sandwich going, like, fuck it, ah, shit, as a different person once. You know what I mean? Like, it would... It would, it would, it would wouldn't it? No, he technically didn't, mate. He had a different face. <laughs> Did he have the same arse? <laughs> That's the question we need answering on this podcast. <laughs> Now, I know I've been negative, but that's the point of this, is because I knew you were going to come out strong as a defender, so yes. it would make better conversation if I challenged it so the two of us could have a bit of banter. I do love this film. I love this film. Apologies if it sounded like I was negative at any <clears> point. I, of course, it's the, it's the part of the bants of the podcast is to have a bit of challenge and back and forth. It is a great movie. It's a great action film. I do think I prefer The Rock out of this and Face Off. So last week I proclaimed The Rock my favourite film. And do you know what? I was thinking about doing Face Off, but you've actually changed mine on one thing. And I, I love Face Off. It's top tier. It's not my favourite action movie of all time. Yeah. It is great though. And if you haven't seen it, definitely worth a rewatch. Definitely worth a rewatch. Um, it is on Disney Plus and it's just a barrel of laughs and a barrel of fun. And, you know, John Fowler is is great in it. Nick Cage is great in it. I just think there are parts where it really excels and there are parts where it loses itself and doesn't yeah. know what it is. But what action film hasn't got that even exactly. Die Hard has that Die Hard has got loads of imperfections that make it perfect so it's all done with Jess and love that's our show for this week that was Face Off thank that you was. very much for listening if I don't see you later good afternoon good evening good night goodbye <laughs>